This episode of Long Walk Short Drink is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash LWSD. There's no hamburgers in my immediate future. Oh. But I did eat a pizza over the weekend. (laughs) Let's look at the bride. Like, look back at, like, Kill Bill. Like, she's in a coma for four fucking years. Same time as Johnny Smith. And she spends 12 hours in the back of the pussy wagon and is able to wiggle her big toe. Are you fucking kidding me? Come on now. fluids i consume so many fluids during one of these it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah, me too and in general in life that's a i'm very well i don't know if it's particularly hydrated but there's a lot of fluids in the going on <laughs> yeah well that's like one of the reasons why uh why i never wanted to get this is oh man this is like total full disclosure should we be recording <laughs> I'm I'm recording. I okay. I'm I am recording. Do you want to just uh, roll in, or or you want to wait to do, go live after this full disclosure? Oh no! I mean, it doesn't matter if it ends up in there. It, it ends up in there. Uh, if not, and if not, it it's fine either way. Um, but I this is why I never pursued like gastric bypass, which I am oh. happy that I never did that. Yeah. Um So I never pursued, like, I I am glad that I never did it. And I am glad that it all is also, I feel like it is kind of not as pushed as it used to be gastric bypass. Um, But the reason I never did it was I was always afraid. I, there is, there are some days during the summer where I I will be outside and I don't even need to be outside, I guess where I will be doing some kind of activity and it's just like the perfect combination of hot and humid and activity and sweating where I ferociously crave water and need to like drink like 32 ounces at a time, like drink an entire like large cup worth of water. And then as soon as that, settles in my stomach like as soon as it settles like start sipping on another one and when you have gastric bypass like they make your stomach like the size of an egg right and I was always terrified of getting in that where I'm craving water zone and only being able to drink an egg's worth of water and then having to wait like 45 minutes for that to like be absorbed before I can drink another like two mouthfuls of water that would have been 
that that would have driven me crazy uh, in with no hyperbole like yeah. literally crazy <laughs> would have been like torture to me and that's what always kept me from doing it because i need to be able to like pound a water if i need to pound like if i need water water is the only thing that's going to quench that right yeah yeah so do you now um, do you like when you do that is it you want it cold or you want it room temperature um i will drink it either way and both have their merits um, but I have, I have, uh, that was a very a proper, serious answer. Yeah. That was, yeah, it was a very proper answer. For, it's a serious business. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. as you just said, it's an important issue to you. Yeah. Um, like, the, like a level of sanity issue. Um, no, I mean, I, I will carry around, like I have this water bottle and this is room temperature and I'll yeah. carry this around all day. Like. This might even gag some people, but like it could sit in the car while I'm like in the grocery store and come out and it's a little bit tepid, like mm -hmm. warm <laughs> yeah. and I'll still drink it. Like it's still okay to me. Um, but then also like when I'm like super thirsty though, I like it really cold, but I don't like ice because the ice hit my teeth and it makes my teeth hurt. Yep. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, so sure. like, yeah. I can't like chug it fast enough when there's ice in there. So that frustrates me too. So I would, I like, I'm okay with it. Like, this is so me. And I am I like, I think everyone can relate to this. Everyone wants their water a certain way. <laughs> and it is something that everyone needs. Yeah. We can get a yeah. lot of response from this episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't water. know. I don't know. Like, that's fucked up if that's true. Oh, man. It's the human <clears throat> element. I, I got hooked on room temperature water when I was performing because. That was the only water that wouldn't kind of be a shock to the throat, you know. Yeah, kind of cause yeah. the cold water would cause you to tense, uh, tense up, and uh, so yeah, it's, I started to like that, like it that way. I I worked with the guy, uh, the one summer I worked for the city of Ritman. He was this old timer. I that you did that. Like, We're gonna have to talk more about. That. He was a, he was a full timer. Had <laughs> been there forever, and he swore by. He would drink. It would be the middle of July. 98 degrees at like 102% humidity, I swear. Like you're just dripping sitting still. And he's drinking fucking coffee that's like lava hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and he'd be like, you you know, this is better for my, this is better for my body on a hot day like this than drinking that ice cold shit that you try to drink. <laughs> and uh, he swore by not shocking your system. Like you're already, if you're like, his thought was if you're already hot, like on the verge of overheating, it's better to just stick with something closer to that temperature than to like drop ice water in there because it's a shock to the system. So mm. just like you're saying, like shock yeah. to your vocal cords. So Yeah. And I was always just really paranoid and looking for anything to help <laughs> the, that situation. But I don't know if I could ever go that far because that was the thing. People would say tea, like honey tea or whatever, and that would be fine. But the, yeah. the room temperature water was always a... Uh, Seem to be the most most soothing. I carry around a thirty two ounce, and I try to make a point of drinking two of them a day. <laughs> we're we're so we're even neurotic about our goddamn water, Dave. Like, we're we're uh, first world uh, problems, right? We have clean first water, world so we're problems, like, we son of a do, bitch. We're the, we're like not even first world, just like eastern enough state problems like oh, we right, like yeah. like <laughs> we're like one state to the west yeah we live in great as a states. city that's like <laughs> literally for a year hasn't been able to drink their water um 
Yeah, that's, fuck. That's true. Yeah. Cut this out. Well, I'm gonna dr- I'm gonna I'm gonna drink a loaf of bread. Let's yes, do that instead. Yes. So I already cracked it. Should I'm sorry. It, it's a bottle. Yeah. Welcome to uh or I mean go ahead and crack your... Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do that too. Cause we've already kind of started, huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't, so, you know, it's not the big let me, video. I just, I do enjoy the videos start, later. Let's start the broadcast. Okay. And we are Live oh, and welcome. Beeped, that's right. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's probably us. Like, say, like, yeah, it was. Live. Mine did it too. I got a silent. Um, <laughs> our two subscribers. So yeah, <laughs> <we're> well, notified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome, uh, welcome to Long Walk Short Drink episode twenty four. I am Palmer Broadcasting. I can actually say broadcasting now because so, we're live. Yeah. Like broadcasting right. and recording live for episode twenty four of Long Walk Short Drink in Dayton, Ohio. And this is Dave coming to you from Northfield, Minnesota. Drinking a uh I get confused if it's a St. Paul beer or I'm looking surly furious. Surly fans out you, there like myself are going to freak you, out. They... You drink that Surly Furious every episode, man. You're yeah, very loyal. I'm not a, uh, I don't, I don't like trying new things. <laughs> um, yeah, I like my beer a certain way, like my water. Yeah. I like my beer like I like my water. The same. A certain way. A certain way, yeah. A certain way. Yeah. <laughs> Minneapolis. Okay. It's a Minneapolis beer. Yeah. And it's, that's my go-to. Um, I do keep an eye out for some of the ones that we that you guys have hit me to on the show, and I have seen uh, the Twinkies uh, Rice Ale, the Samurai, I think it was. Oh, I need to try uh, that. That's the only one I've actually seen in the store, but that doesn't sound good to me. The name sounds. Oh awesome, man, but... how about that werewolf beer that I sent you? That yeah. Russian werewolf oh, beer. That sounds. That so was like two fifty for that bottle of that, and it was like the darkest, murkiest porter, but it was so oh. good. I bet that was worth every penny. What do you got it there? Was, it was delicious. Right now I'm drinking uh, Traveler Aloha Pineapple uh, Shandy. Hmm. It's delicious. Uh, so Traveler had Grapefruit Shandy last year. They still have it again this year, but this is their limited run. It's a, it's a pineapple Shandy, and man, is it delicious. It, it just like reminds me of Hawaii when I, oh, when yeah. I drink it, So which is really nice. So... Should talk about that more one when, when, one of these days for our yeah, listeners that don't absolutely don't know you or haven't known you personally all that time. I yeah, feel like absolutely. There's probably pl- tons of stories I don't know about that time in your life as well. Yeah, it, it's a uh, man. Talk about a life changing like ten to eleven months. It was crazy. Oh, I didn't realize that was the span of it. That's pretty short for. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a lot very to influential. Happen. Like a world away in in some ways. See, that's what it feels like to me anyway. <laughs> yeah. Because the island so, aspect, I don't know. Did it feel that way? Did it feel disconnected from the rest of... Uh... Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, it was like... I always say, out there, you're Hawaiian first. Before you're anything else. Before you're American. Before you're... You, you identify as a Hawaiian before any of those things. Even as a transplant or that's the, what you're walking into? Oh, no, that's I'm just saying like that's yeah, that's what you're walking into. That's the, it is this local mentality. They are very aware that they are. It, they literally refer to every every other state as the mainland. 
yeah. right? Like, yeah. and that that's already very exclusive language. It's right. them and us as Hawaiians. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's that that's the best way that I can describe. Oh it, yeah, no, that that makes sense. I was just trying to decide whether or not I wanted to get you into the Hawaii story now. Oh <laughs> man, that's a. I wish there was someone to that could commiserate, but I don't know if we have any of those people that would be guests necessarily. I don't know. There's so many people, ultimately, at least uh, for such a small town, a lot of people from Ritman have come to live in Hawaii at one point in time. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. seems to me. Uh, yeah, there's Larry and... Uh, I I mean, there's a bunch of people yeah, whose people names that have would have to be... Yeah, <laughs> that don't have nicknames that we'd have to keep. So. I saw, you mentioned working for the city... Um, I yeah. didn't see, but yesterday I spoke to, um, someone else who used to have that job in summers, Mr. Pumps Russell. Oh man. You talked to pumps. I That's did. Awesome. Yeah. He called like, how's that during guy the doing? Day. Uh, he's good. He's good. He, uh, yeah, he caught me up. He's had a kind of an, an intense year he's, and he, a lot of kind of, I think bad things happened. It sounds though, like. On the heels of that, a lot of good things have happened in a row and worked out. Some, one of which is that he now lives in Columbus. Really? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. He was doing no kind of a shit. He called it like a gradual release of that information. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I sent him like pictures of you and Logan that time you guys got together for a drink recently. I'm like, you're gonna have to join these guys. So he liked yeah. that, of course. I'm curious about this entire situation. I can't believe Pumps lives in Columbus. <laughs> and then I remembered the other friend of ours moved back to that to the um, Greater Ribbon area, who I don't have a nickname for. So, but uh, I was just like, and he, I was like, it's all. What's Everybody's going on? coming back. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> all we need is somebody to buy a cow pasture and put a cabin in it. That's all that we need to happen. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be me. That's my dream. Is to like have oh. a. That's not a bad, not a bad idea at all. <laughs> have a field with a cabin in it, and I want to have a cabin reunion every year. I think that'd, that'd be, be a so bit awesome. It, if only among the people who are able to show up that year. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's just like every like every weekend, every year. If you can make it, if you awesome, if not, oh well, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mentioned the the show and stuff, and and threw out the idea that he could be on, but I tried to. You know, not push it. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> our thing is not everybody else's thing, and that's oh, okay because yeah, it's our thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, he, he liked the idea. At least they were talking and, re- and understood that, of course, it would be recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to get in touch with that man. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, oh, man. He's, he's back in the area, and it was good to. Good to catch up with him. <laughs> That's crazy. But uh, yeah, what's been up with you? I guess, I mean, it's only been a week, but sometimes that feels like a long time to me. <laughs> yeah. Just well, like, and, is- the, and we like ebb and flow. Like during the, I feel like, so here's the thing. And tell me if you agree with this. We have a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> yes, we do. But we also have a lot of like people now, like kind of working on different things. Yeah. And so all of those things like all kind of work independently. And so what we used to communicate about, like, like I just thought about how, 
um, you know, we've kind of set in stone this like Wednesdays at eight now is like our, our set recording time. And that's like one less reason to, where before where it was whatever, whenever we were available. Yeah. Like that was yeah, an excuse to, to, yeah, that was an excuse to communicate. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like we go on these weeks like this last week, we just haven't had a reason. Everything's just kind of, we, we've communicated like through comments and a document and, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But like, yeah. it was just like all conducive. It just wasn't yeah necessary. And so, uh, it does feel long like that. That's what she said. But I mean, I think that's all like, I don't think that's a, a bad thing or anything like that. I just think that it means that we're getting really, we're definitely hitting a groove with the creation of this show, which is awesome. Yeah. And it's so. fun to, I mean, I enjoy the, uh, the special ones, but, uh, the special ads were like, we had the revenge show, which I was working on even when we were talking last week, I was still, uh, in the midst of that. And then last, uh, the la- last week when we did record, we, we dedicated, uh, that special edition Palmer's pick, uh, to kill Bill and then talked a long time about in our book club. Um, so I love those like side things, but it's always nice to just get back to the, the meandering kind of dude therapy as you put it. In the text dude today. therapy, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that is, uh, I think that is totally, appropriate you know like yeah. this is gonna sound this is definitely gonna elicit the uh friendship theme from Bloodsport. <laughs> uh but i i i i ran across this article on reddit and i did not like read the meat and potatoes of the article i'll have to try to find it um but it's this article that is basically that Due to a decrease in homophobia, men are now finding it easier to have like basically like bosom buddies, but it's like men. And you know what I mean? Like these like uh, deep, meaningful like relationships with other men uh, because and I just thought I was like, holy shit, that is our show. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) When you said dude therapy in the text today, I I got a kick out of that. And I was like, well, that's perfect. That that should be the name of something. But I was like, well, dude, what, like sensitive dude therapy or (laughs) dudes who don't watch sports (laughs) or or never served in the military? (laughs) Like there starts to be these caveats. I was like, what is qualified? What could we could claim Uh, the name dude therapy? I, I think all of those things at certain times, I think it's whatever it needs to be where it's like, you know, it's just dudes talking about dude stuff. Yeah. But, you that, know, there's like, some shorthands of like, I mean, like, do you, do you follow sports at all? I guess we don't talk about it, but that's not to say you, you don't watch them. No. Oh, yeah. So I don't either at all. And when you sit down no. with another uh, dude, you know, whether that you meet through, you know, you don't know how, how you, you might not know anything else about them that I find that that's still a frequently presumed shorthand. Like, Hey, you watched the game last night. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Not, I don't even know like what game. <laughs> so, and instantly when that, that sentence like that gets uttered, I'm like, Oh boy, <laughs> this person yeah. is not gonna. And then I presume probably a lot about them, but um, yeah, there's certain, it's interesting that that definition or the, yeah, between the decreased homophobia and the rise of geek culture, like you can kind of, yeah. there's a, 
that that term is now more inclusive, <laughs> but still connotates a certain like man man thing to me, I guess. But for me, that well, my my philosophy, my personal philosophy is is I would much rather be able to have a general conversation about just about anything versus being able to have a thorough in-depth conversation about just a few things. You know what I mean? That makes perfect sense. Actually knowing you, uh, I've always been surprised uh, at the, at the breadth of the things you know about. But if you really like, if you, on most of those topics, I will have a very, my knowledge will be a very, um, layman level. I mean, I know, Again, I know just just enough to have a a decent conversation about it, yeah. and that's about it. And and there's a few that's things cool. that I could have a a total like I will show you page numbers and stuff uh, type conversations about, and that's like Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to show Ash. This was this is how. Here's an example of like how well I know Dark Tower. I have only ever listened to books four through seven. I've only ever listened to them. I've never read them physically. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but now I have the hardcover editions of all of them, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to show Ash this excerpt that's in book six. And I was able within 45 seconds to flip to that section of the book <laughs> and find it on the page. Just knowing, like, gauging, like, how, like, okay, it's here, it's here, it's here. Yep, here it is, right here, this part right here. Read this. That's and, amazing. Uh, um, how about you? What have you been up to, buddy? Oh, um, I felt busy. Uh, yeah, boy, sorry. I was not, <laughs> I was not ready for that. Uh, yeah, busy. Like, I, I've, my, uh, my, there's been a lot of changes at my job, like, stressful conversations about that. Um, yeah. And I essentially do the same thing all of the time. Like I, I make videos for other people, you know, 40 hours or so a week, I spend at least 10 hours a week or eight to 10 hours a week or more in the car. Uh, when I, that's the one time I'm not making videos <laughs> and then, yeah, just like constantly making stuff. So when I caught up with pumps right. yesterday, you know, there was a lot specifics he had to catch me up on. And, and mostly I'm just like, dude, I make things like almost 24 hours a day, <laughs> which I love making stuff. Uh, so it's great. And I'm very fortunate to have a lot of uh, agency in my job to shape it into something that I like. And my job is where I'm able to be of service and uh, to others, whereas here right. uh, it's all about me just like ex- <laughs> dude therapy. <laughs> which is, dude therapy. Uh, and the same can be said of the other projects I take on. And then the bride was out of town last weekend. She went to, uh, got a chance to see an extra U2 show um, for this tour. So she took it and I just uh, took that time to, you know, edit my documentary and uh, finished up the revenge show and, um, yeah, that's kind of, which <laughs> it's not, not very, which exciting. you and Moto both like did a fantastic job, bang up job. On oh yes. Thank you. It was, it was Thanks. a, it was fun to work on Everything that. And it was one of those things where I felt the need to honor the intent <laughs> and, uh, sort of take out, you know, that thing they say about statues or whatever, like you take out all that's not the, the essential thing. 
there were uh, somehow there was like 40 minutes if you watched the live thing, uh, 13, 13 of which were a break, which I thought was hilarious because it was 13 minute break. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it was, um, you know, just some, I don't know. But but so there was so it took some 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 doing to make that uh, special show uh, be as special as it could be. And then I passed off to Moto who um, I, I throw in some music. It is a bit of a tag team, especially if I originate the episode uh, edit, because I kind of channel his, his, the things that he's done. And there are certain music cues and stuff that I have more uh, ready access to. So I'll just toss them in. But he fleshed that out uh, with like, he bought the Conan soundtrack from iTunes and oh, found that's the old so boy awesome. music. And, uh, oh, let me, I, that there's a text he sent about that. Cause I gave him some, I asked him about that. Like, did you, cause I almost bought the Conan like theme, but you had to buy the whole album. And I was late in the game. And I was just like, I don't know. But, uh, so I asked him, I was like, did you actually, you know, seek those out? Is that what those are? And, uh, he said, it didn't come through. Oh, it was in an email, but it was something to the effect of like, I could, he, he was saying to me in an email, I realized why I couldn't find it. He was saying to me, oh, I could do, we could do justice to our movies, but not theirs like Conan or old boys. Like, no, sir. It's like, cause I have honor and stuff. And like, you put all these emojis and stuff, uh, like we were talking uh, about in the show. He lives with that's honor. That's so awesome. <laughs> so. That's so spectacular. That's a fun, that, that'll be a fun one, I think, to return to in, uh, in years yeah. to come. Uh, it was definitely Absolutely. a fun conversation to have. Uh, so that's kind of, I mean, it's, it's exciting in a way. I'm making a bunch of stuff and it's fun, uh, but it's kind of a single, Hectic. short, yeah, yeah, and, and stressful when it's the professional side of things. It affects other people, but. Yeah, um, I am, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm coming, I, I'm in the, in the midst of some serious deadlines at work too, so. Oh. And yeah. creating, it's like the That's like tough. peak of what <clears throat> my job, my role is at work, where I'm I take everything and and build it and put it together. So oh. I'm in that I'm in that for like the next month and a half, basically, uh, which is in and it's and it's uh, breakneck because there are other like I'm at different stages in that process with like four other modules. So oh wow. I, and two of them right now are in the last step, so I'm trying to get those those all poured, as we say. So poured. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you're like pouring all the ingredients together. Ah. And to this, make the final product. This so. isn't your. Is this this isn't your first set of deadlines there, or is it? It's our. Oh no. Um. I mean, I've been through. I've been through this a couple times already. So been through a few pours. <laughs> yeah. It, it. Uh. It's. It's interesting to say the least. I yeah. still like. It's. We still both have to. Oh my gosh! There's Sorry. a beagle upset. Yeah, I think that's the dachshund. That there's if if another dog walks on our street, which there are plenty of dogs on our street. She yeah. loses her mind. L. That's awesome. She's not gonna listen to me. It's no use. To... <laughs> yeah, no, you just let it go. It's okay. She doesn't. It's all right. Have any respect for my wishes? <laughs> why? 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 Don't do it. Don't do that. No. Please don't do that. It scares oh, me so much when you do it. Oh yeah, it's so scary to see. I actually do have a little update about the that that of uh, those those Bruce Lee movies. Remember, there's so there's so much confusion and about those titles. Fist of Fury, yeah. Chinese Connection, Fists of yeah. Fury. 
And I was listening to the commentary for The Chinese Connection, the movie we talked about, The Fist, Fist of Fury. And uh, they talked about where that that came from. And so I don't have all of the details. But so I'm going to speculate on some of this and then get to the part that, that's actually <laughs> what, what I learned from this commentary. Right. Was that those Hong Kong movies that Bruce Lee did, I think, came out in America later and, and closer together than they would have overseas. So maybe they came out in the same year or something, or even after Enter the Dragon came out and he he was both dead and a superstar. Um, but uh, so there's that, and Moto mentioned this about the f- French connection and the, them using the title Chinese connection to kind of capitalize on the French connection Sort of any association with that successful the movie film. with with Gene Hackman and yeah and, and, and Jack Nicholson yeah or no it's uh it's Gene Hackman and well I don't know who else I don't know if there are other uh, names in there that's uh, William Freakins like was first in that. no yeah. um shoot because yeah oh, I the know French connection I I know what I, I'm thinking of Chinatown. Oh Jesus. yes, yeah. No, no, that, that yeah. See, that's the kind of thing that happened here. So it was yeah. so the the French connection had, I believe, had something to do with drugs at least. Yeah. Um. So what it was was they actually meant to <laughs> entitle the Big Boss. So that's Bruce Lee's first two movies. I'll use the American names so that so the big or sorry, fuck, <laughs> it's too confusing. The mix-up, though, is like his first movie has to do... There is a drug component where it's something he uncovers and the, the big boss is running drugs and killing people. Um, and then in the next... His second movie, um, he finds out it's this this kind of story that's a somewhat true... Based on a true story about the death of this famous Chinese uh, Sifu and speculation on the death. And they say that it was poison and this fictional character takes revenge with his fists of fury. Um, so what I think was the intent, what I learned was that there was a mix up, like they were going to retitle the movies, Chinese connection for the big boss to, for American audiences to try to contextualize or help use the momentum of the association with the, fr- the French connection. Cause that was a successful movie. And it made some sense because there's a, there's a drug running with, with uh, Chinese people in Thailand. So, so, there's a there's a logic to that, <laughs> um, and then fist of fury. I think they were just going to pluralize it instead of fist singular. They're right. going to make it fists of fury. But it actually took me looking at the search suggestions while I was typing it to realize I was type I was typing fists plural. Yeah, right. I didn't I didn't get that it was just one fist. Yeah, and so whereas That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 weird the nailed myth, it that was very good i forgot that that's not necessarily natural to you you should know that is not that my forte <laughs> that is not my forte at yeah, all that was expertly done <laughs> so the mix-up was that uh it was actually they meant to retitle but they didn't mean to swap movies so they ended up calling the big boss fists my of dick's fury nickname in college <laughs> Yes. <laughs> also, my dick's nickname in college. <laughs> fist singular, fist of fury. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a tour de force. <laughs> Both of those were my dick's nickname in college. It was a screwy semester. <laughs> screwy. That's what 
she said <laughs> so anyway that's somebody just like fucked up someplace fucked up the paperwork and they changed the titles in a way that made no sense going forward and how american is that <laughs> yeah. eh, nobody will know the difference yeah and so there's much confusion uh to this day <laughs> but oh, so that was a little correction gosh. from that and then the other correction from that episode or update or thing that I found out or looked up it rather in this case, it was Harvey Keitel who got fired from apocalypse. Now oh. that was the actor who originally played, um, uh, Willard played by, um, Martin Sheen, but Martin Sheen came in to replace him. Who did uh, we say it was? Uh, we didn't know. And it kind of came up by way of Scott oh, okay. Glenn, who has like one scene in the movie. Got it. Um, and what what uh, what it warms my heart to think about right now is that our buddy Twinkie is watching the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now, Hearts of Darkness, in which he's hearing about this story about how, how, how Harvey Keitel was fired after a few weeks of shooting and replaced by Martin Sheen, who then went on to have a fucking heart attack. Oh, it's... Jesus. That's such a great... Uh, the, the making Liter of that movie. That movie almost killed like everybody, right? Like everybody <laughs> almost died. At, at least, point. at least Martin Sheen had almost killed, and and uh, Coppola was going a bit crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But that movie. Fuck. I mean, the movie itself is a masterpiece, but the documentary is also um, really special. Um. So anyway, that's some some corrections. Um. <clears throat> what else can we tell? Um. You? Excuse me. Uh. Actually, yeah. it was. Uh. Harvey Keitel, uh, the whip himself, who was fired from the shooting of Apocalypse Now. Uh, you said you're like a big fan of the making of that movie, The Hearts of Darkness, but obviously you've seen it at best once. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny is, is the tweet that Double D sent out about um, our invitation to super fans to, you know, check our Star Wars facts. Oh, is that today? I I don't know if I've seen that. No, one that, that tweet me. got sent out weeks ago. Oh, but if there's one tweet that always like will just creep back into my retweet notifications, mm -hmm. it's that one, and it's always some fucking Star Wars super fan that like posts it on their Twitter. So that, like. Like, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for yeah. us to, like, blow up where we're just, like, all these super Star Wars super fans just are freaking out about our... our what we don't know. Expose what we don't know. And I don't even care. Like, it, like I, I... Any movie I like or dislike, I like or dislike it just enough for me. Yeah. That's, like, I don't, like... If I am really curious, like the um, the Mad, the last Mad Max movie, oh yeah, Fury Road, Road, is a great example. There is a full world that has been put out about that one movie in comic books, in Wikipedia articles, and all this extra video games, all this extra exposition in that world. And arguably, that is a world that if you go by just the movie, you don't get a whole lot of exposition. Well, like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you really don't see see the whole picture until the end when it's done, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and the movie's enough for me. Like I like yeah. it just that much. So, like, 
I, if I were to ever talk about that movie and reference something that was answered in that expanded universe beyond that movie, if you want to point that out to me, I would love to know that. Like if you thought it was that important, because that's going to trigger the learner in me, like my love of learning. Ah, yes. If you're like, oh man, if you love that movie, you got to know this, right? Boom. I'll go check that out. No problem. But if you're like, you're an idiot, you don't know anything because of this, 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 and this, I'm going to be like, you can go fuck yourself now. Like, I know, you know, like, we were cool a minute ago. Now we're done. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that goes I mean, along with what you were saying before about knowing, uh, you, you know, not surface knowledge, but like just enough to satiate your uh, interest in most things. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I think that's cool and I think that's okay. And I, I never, like, I'm never going to bash somebody for knowing more about a topic than me because I'm probably going to want to get knowledge from you. Yeah. And I would never bash somebody for not knowing as much of as I do about a topic, I would want to share what I know. Right. Right. There's no place for you on the internet. <laughs> that no, that's the, that's the thing is like, we got to change the internet. That's what's got to happen. Oh, I like that's, it. That's yeah. never going to, I mean, it, we're never going to, the, there's always going to be shitty people. And if we yeah. let them, the shitty people will always be heard more than the non-shitty people. That's why we have to celebrate the non-shitty people That's and make right. them louder. I like make that. The, you know, we're, we're never going to get rid of all the like shitty people. There's always going to be shitty people, but what we can do is we can be louder than them. That's what I we like that do. idea. It should be a segment somehow, uh, like highlighting non-shitty people <laughs> in our everyday lives. I definitely favor the, uh, well, it's not really a choice. It's kind of how I'm wired. The, the more detailed information about a few things rather than being able to speak uh, reasonably um, well about a number of things. I only know about like five things. <laughs> so so it's, a, it's, a, it's very, I mean, I'm a good deep on those so things. You know so much more than that. You know so much more than that. Well... Though. I, I mean, it, you but... can you can have the same kind of conversation, like, but we can hold a conversation on a variety of topics, though. Like, even I, I mean, we have a, a wealth of of content to prove that. Not even just <laughs> this show. Like, we have content. Like, yes. we have various medias <laughs> to prove that we ha can discuss a variety of topics, I more suppose. than six things. So, yeah, I, I appreciate um, that. That's good. Uh, that makes me feel not that I feel bad about the other either, because. Uh, like I was, uh, I have been in, in what, I mean, I guess I do projects in my free time, but in, in the time I take away, like take, pull aside, like the bride and I will watch certain things together. That's a big thing. It's like kind of quality time like that. But, uh, I've been working my way through the Bruce Lee movies with the shout factory and stuff and having fun with that and listening yeah. to the Bruce Lee podcast and just kind of deep dive on that guy that I haven't done for a number of years. And they have on the current one I'm listening to. They've only done this a couple of times, at least up until where I've listened. Kamal Bell? I think that is his name, actually, W. Kamal Bell. But um, he spends a, a lot of time trying to prove his um, sort of fandom to, to uh, 
the host of Bruce Lee's daughter and someone else from the foundation. And they're, they're like, no, it's cool. It's fine. You don't have to. But at a certain point, pretty late in the show, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, d- does say, she's like, I do hear a lot. She's like, I have to admit from people who are like, they say, oh, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. And then like, I talked to him for two minutes and I can tell like, they don't know anything about Bruce Lee. But as I was listening to this guy talk and uh, just kind of ticking off the sort of geeky facts about Bruce Lee and the, the books you have and various, I was just like, oh, it was so nice to hear somebody validate that interest. But it was, it was cool to hear like the, 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 the specific details that he was taking uh, sort of pride in knowing and being able to tell, um, you know, Shannon Lee. And then I was getting to listen to it, feeling, ticking them off as well. I'm like, okay, yes, I am also a super Bruce Lee fan. <laughs> but, uh, Don't think. But there's, you know, that's one of those five, six things, I think, <laughs> that I know It is about. like a finger pointing Absolutely. Away to but move. that's okay. Like, but I'm happy about it. I've been enjoying that time. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. That I've been revisiting his stuff. Though I do sometimes, I wish I would watch new things or whatever. But I've been reading and watching new things through this show, which is good. Um, what about, um, do you have a Palmer's pick for the week? Oh, I'm sorry. Palmer's pleasure. Sorry. Oh, I have Palmer's it. pleasure. Um, <laughs> What's your pleasure, sir? <laughs> I'm going to make up uh, that whole Hellraiser theme. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's roll the intro for Palmer's pleasure while I think about something. Let's see if I can think of something <laughs> here. Ladies and gentlemen, Zedco is proud to present Palmer's pleasure. <laughs> Steamy. No, no, please, no, no, too sexy. Um, so here's the deal. I yesterday, so we're recording this on uh May twenty fourth. Yesterday was Ash and I's anniversary. Oh yes, I'm glad you're saying that. I was almost about <laughs> to ask. Uh, you know, what you because I knew you had some time. I was going to say, oh, how did that go? So I'm glad you're talking yeah. about it. I was yeah, gonna... so uh, this actually is going to bring up a few topics, but we'll get the Palmer's pleasure out of the way. Uh, so, um, <laughs> anniversary pleasure. Uh, yeah. Our... Sounding pretty sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Too sexy. No. Um, so, so we uh, decided we, we played hooky. Where we uh, each took a vacation day from work. And then we kind of had. So I guess this will go in kind of convoluted order. So, um, but I'll, I'll point out the Palmer's pleasure when we get to it. Uh, so, something you mentioned, uh, you talked about how you have protected time with the bride. And we actually have something, Ash and I do something in our relationship that we got from, that I learned from you and the bride uh, oh. through your sister, uh, which is like, man, that's like totally roundabout. That's, yeah. But um, uh, I don't even know if you guys knew that, I, I don't know if you actually officially called it this or not, but did you, did you guys used to call it buddy time? Oh yeah. We still call it that. Yeah. You still call it buddy we'll, time. We'll okay. Say, so like, like, you want to be buddies tomorrow. And, and that's what we, yeah. yeah. So, um, now, <laughs> oh, that's, nice. uh, that's awesome. Like, do you want to be buddies tomorrow that I never knew that's that? How we that's how we talk that's, about that's, it. Yeah. That's really cool. So, um, we just have protected time on Saturdays and Sundays 
where if possible, I mean, the only thing that really gets in the way of this is if we are traveling. So, um, where we have buddy time where we get up in the morning and we make coffee, we need a piece of cake on the back porch and, uh, drink, uh, drink a cup, drink our coffee with it. And usually either make a huge breakfast or go out for a big breakfast. But just have this like cell phone free hanging out, just the two of us time. Oh, and, that's a nice uh, addition. That doesn't happen. The the cell phone free us. part. <laughs> no, yeah, the bride loves to crush candy and be on the twitters and stuff. And oh uh, no, that's like why have why have buddy time? Uh, like, I don't know. Here, yeah, I try not know? to. I mean, every once in a while, I will try to. I try not to challenge her because yeah. she will break me in half. So. <laughs> exactly. I know that's part of what makes her happy. Did we talk you about in half? Yes, that no, would break. The, that would make her happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, God damn it, she found her. She was trying to find. She's at a survivor party right now. <laughs> oh shit! And uh, and she was trying to find. She has a survivor buff. Like she watched the show for years, and she yeah. was gonna wear that. She couldn't find that, but she found her squirt guns, her shotgun, dart gun, uh, like Nerf dart gun, and she's terrorizing me. <laughs> yeah, them. yeah. And I've been. It's been like years. I've been free of that terror of. Son of a bitch. Yeah, she's a... And I kept... I was like, you're a terrorist. I, yeah. <laughs> Just crush you. Crush your enemies. Yeah, it seemed driven before you. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, you were saying... Uh, I like that this all sounds right uh, in terms so of... We started uh, with, so we started with Buddy Time. Uh, And then... So, the plan was we were going to go take... We were going to get lunch and take it up to the Metro Park that we got married at. And uh, I will send you, I'll send you this uh, picture because it's awesome. Because we ended up doing, in, we ended up doing that. Um, but the lunch that we ended up getting, and this is my Palmer's pleasure. Ah. So there's, there's this place called uh, Voltsy's Root Beer Stand, which is in, when we finally found it, it was in... It was a small shack in the parking lot of a, like, at an industrial park. And that all sounds off-putting, but I'm going to tell you what, this was the, so we found a list that was, like, the best 35 burgers in Dayton, and I'll share that URL. Oh, yeah. And, uh. It's important to know. Voltsy's was number one. So they have Ooh. sliders, which they call just cheeseburgers. And they have a special where you can get 10 of those for 12 bucks. And that's a great deal. But then they have this burger called the hog burger. And then you can get it Volte style, which is like, it's a 20 ounce burger with double cheese, double onions. And then you get it Volte style, which has two slices of grilled ham, horseradish. And I think that's it. On, on this burger <laughs> and my goodness it was life-changing it was so good that's oh, so that's my pleasure is like Bolte's root beer stand. Wow. it's only so it's only open from 11 a.m till 2 p.m uh but seven days a week right oh yeah um so you can really only go there for lunch during the week if you're local like that's that's oh it, yeah it, unless you go on the weekend which i'm willing to bet if you don't so here's the other piece of it i was about to say if you don't call your order in ahead of time 
it, it is common to be accosted by the owner. Like he likes oh. to act like the soup Nazi off his of Seinfeld. That's what really? the description said that when I read up on the on the uh, restaurant. Like he likes to bitch at you for not calling your order in ahead of time, and he likes to yell at you if it's the winter time and you go in the wrong door. And uh, <laughs> is it like, like a stick, or he's really yeah? Upset? Oh, it's totally a shtick. Oh, okay. he, he's not serious. He yelled at me because I, I went to go in the wrong door, and he's like. <laughs> He's like, where are you going? Are you lost? And I was like, yeah, I've never been here before. Well, that door's for the winter time. And I'm like, okay, I, I thought so. And he's like, don't do it again. I won't. Like, That's fun. Yeah, so it's a good time. And it the burger was fantastic. Like just, we got, so we got the sliders and we got that big giant burger. Oh, um, nice. Which ended up being like lunch and dinner. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, so then we we like beat feet up to the Metro Park that we got married at and actually ate lunch in the pavilion that we got married in uh, with their dog. So I sent you that picture of the that three picture of is us. magic. I mean, is that something you'll yeah. share? Maybe. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll tweet that. We we'll, we can uh, tweet that out. That is a, some Billy D glee right there. Yeah, that's a fantastic picture. So um, <laughs> so you had tank uh, with you. That's a yeah, great so we had tank with us and. Uh, <laughs> And I just, I don't know. He's, he's such an awesome dog and just like so adorable. Yeah. He so, um, he's got a little underbite um, going. Oh yeah. Total underbite. And just like, but yeah, we had this, this, this delicious burger to like eat. Um, and I'll some of your tasty beverage to wash this down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I shot and then plenty of cake, like the whole day. So, had a good time. That sounds great. the The picture you shared of the the cutting the cake with the is the claymore. Yeah, it's pretty that much a claymore. It, he modeled that after the William Wallace sword from. Oh, Braveheart. nice! Oh my god! So that sounds really nice, and that sounds amazing. In that that burger, holy shit! <laughs> oh, oh man, that burger was so fantastic, and it was like. I, I like messy food. There's something about messy food that just makes it taste better. I don't know if it's the fact that because it's messy, it, it causes this. It causes almost like a need to gobble because you're worried you're going to make more of a mess the longer it takes to consume it, you know? Yeah, that's what she said. And so that totally feeds into my addictive, like, just give me, give me, give me, give me calories. <laughs> like, you know, like... <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I could be wrong, but that's what it feels like. But it, like, I feel like messy food is more enjoyable because you're just. It's okay to just get through it because you're trying not to make a mess. And <laughs> man, did this burger hit all of that? My mouth is watering. Right now. Oh man, I. It's interesting because um, I don't, I don't like. It's not that I don't like messy food, but I don't like food that I have to work too much for, particularly if it, I also get messy. So like, like crab legs or even like chicken wings, if they have bones in them and stuff, I'm just like, what's the point? <laughs> it's too yeah. frustrating. Um, yeah. So I have a kind of an opposite thing about that to some extent, but some things are, are very worthwhile. <laughs> we, we often do on our, um, our, I guess our routine, such as it is when, when we can have that buddy time on weekends is that, yeah, I do stay up, really especially late i kind of always stay up late but i 
Stay up especially late and and catch up on sleep on the weekends. And the bride wakes up with the dogs and, and watches her uh, programs and stuff. And that and then when I do emerge, <laughs> we have a, a late breakfast that we take turns um, preparing. And uh, one of the favorites is a it's, it's a kind of like egg sandwich on a pretzel bun or something with eggs over easy. So that can get rather messy. <laughs> But those are also sometimes the best ones. Oh yeah, oh, I want all this food now. <laughs> We've been eating very. Um, I should I should ask, like, are you um, are you able to go back to the like total, um, like shitty good food, like oh, pizza and all that stuff? I like, did uh, have a yeah. When the bride goes out of town. I did not do the thing I like I had every intention of doing this, but ultimately I stayed too busy to take the time to do it or need to do it, which was the put all the junk food in the cupboard in in, in the cooler and then in the car and then back the car up. Like, <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to do that just for my own safety like for the normal reasons, but yeah. also so that I didn't overeat in a way that was bad for my um still somewhat fragile system and uh yeah, I didn't ultimately do that, but I did uh, one night I had a, a pizza. <laughs> By that, of course, I mean a whole pizza. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't too bad. I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm able to eat just anything, anything. But I will yeah. have, I'm not refraining as much just as a matter of course. I think I would eat normally stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm kind of thinking about it. It's a nice uh, byproduct of the surgery and stuff, I guess, is it gives me an extra incentive to try to eat the the way that, you know, they say you ought to. Uh, but like, yeah, tonight we had, and I like fish and stuff. It's basically been like fish or chicken or and vegetables the last few days. And earlier I asked the bride, like, you want to go out to eat tomorrow and, and catch up? Because like uh, we, we don't normally eat at a table. Yeah, we don't we normally eat kind of while we're watching television, I guess. And, uh, don't really talk during that time. Not really. Anyway, like you don't find out about each other's days and goings ons. So I find that when we go out to eat, that is a time when she'll be the most apt to like share what's been going on with her. Uh, it's, you know, it's hard to stop me from sharing, but she gets, she, she, you have to catch her in the right frame of mind. Um, so, uh, so that's one of the reasons I like to ask her to go out to eat, but also I love to go out to eat just like in general. So I'm always trying to make Me that too. happen. <laughs> and it's, and she's so much of a homebody that that's, she just wants to be with on the couch with the puppies and me. Uh, but, uh, that's actually, have I, have I told that joke on this show that that was a daily, uh, and David is a, <laughs> I think maybe I did, but it's like, um, She'll talk about it like that. She's like, oh, I just want to come home, sit on the couch with my dogs. And I'd be like, and David. <laughs> She'd be like, and David. But it's part of the joke. But I stole, yeah, it, yeah, from, yeah. I stole it from Affleck in the Mallrats commentary. <laughs> I think I did tell that story. On this. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. Because really, every time I say it, I think about Jason Mewes talking about Mallrats and being like, and and at the time of the commentary, Affleck had just done like Armageddon and stuff, and he's getting famous, and he's hanging out with his you know, he's slumming it with the the Jersey kids, and uh, <laughs> Muse is like, "Yeah, it's fun and shit." And all Muse hanging out with Jason Lee and in London, and and goes and Ben, <laughs> and 
and Ben. <laughs> he's like inserting himself into, he's like, he wants him used to. <laughs> So yeah, that's a regular part of our, but yeah, so she just wants to chill out. So I want to go out to eat and like catch up. And she's like, no, <laughs> she just said, and sometimes she'll try to appease, but she's like, no, I just need to be home. So I'm, there's no hamburgers in my immediate future, Oh, but I did eat a pizza over the weekend. <laughs> okay, good. Well, well, I can start texting you photos of food that I'm making now. And, oh my God. Um. Oh yeah. Cause I've been, I've been trying not to be a dick and not send you stuff that I've been making. No, I'd like to see that. The bride actually really likes to cook. Um, So she says, (laughs) I don't like to cook, but I do like to eat. (laughs) Yeah. So these might be inspiring uh, for to make me. What about you? What about you? Uh, you Oh, I did bring a a Dave's Diggs. You got Um, a Dave Diggs? Let's hear it. And it's not a podcast for the first time. Oh, that's a... Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I had one, but I was like, no, let's not. I mean, mine was a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, let's roll the thing. Now, get ready. We're going to play some rock and roll. Wow. It's alive. It's alive. I have been expecting that. This bad guy. Can we go, please? No, I'm enjoying it. Who are you? I'm Batman. Who's a grumpy bastard? Yeah, I'm a grumpy bastard. <laughs> What's going on? Why don't you tell me a story? What do you mean? This is some punk. I don't need you. Don't think. Feel. One side, Daniel side. Talk hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Are you ready? So my Dave Diggs this week is actually something that uh, the bride and I do watch together. I think she started to watch it without me and instantly knew that I would I would be into it as well. Um, it's the it's the TV series. I think it's a Netflix series. Yeah, it is uh, called Grace and Frankie. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Ash watches this show. Oh cool. So have you seen it at all? Um. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes that Ash has watched. Uh, that's one that she pretty much sticks to uh, by herself. But what I, I mean, it's it's right up my alley. It's just something that now she's deep enough into it that I'm not going to ever catch up to her. Oh, so. yeah, that happens. Yeah. The, then yeah. the bride has like she likes to have her shows that she can watch when I'm staying up late watching Bruce Lee or whatever. <laughs> she's got she's got plenty of those. Yeah. But for some she thought I would I would get a kick out of this. And I and I do. And uh, so the the little synopsis here is uh, for as long as they can recall, Grace and Frankie have been rivals. They're. One upmanship comes crashing to a halt, however, when they learn that their husbands have fallen in love with each other and want to get married. As everything around the ladies is coming apart, the only thing they can really rely on is each other. This Netflix original reteams Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin from 9 to 5 as Grace and Frankly. <laughs> Fuck it. Now I'm just reading Wikipedia. But um, yeah. So 9 that's to 5 the- was one of my mom's favorite movies. Like- Oh, really? One of the brides, too, actually. I don't know it yeah. super well. Actually, I don't know it well at all. I can picture one scene in it. But what do they play respectively in that movie? Like, are they co-stars They're or both, they just happen? Oh, no, they are both co-stars. So that stars Lily Tomlin, uh, Jane Fonda, and um, Dolly Parton. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. And Dabney Coleman is the... And Dabney Coleman is the... But they are all, like, equally billed, I'm pretty sure. Because uh, oh, they were cool. all kind of, like... That's all kind of at the height of all of their success. Uh, like Lily Tomlin is like at the at the like comedic height. Then Dolly Parton is kind of like at the musical height of her career. 
Jane Fonda is like having her resurgence with the um, exercising, uh, like the home fitness at that point in time. Yeah. And it's just these like three women who accidentally find themselves in a very precarious situation and are empowered and uh, kind of end up proving that they can, anything a boy can do, they can do better. So, Ah. um, it, it totally was right up my mom's alley of like empower women and uh, spoke to like the feminist in her. And um, it's, it is a classic comedy though. It's really, really good. I did. Now that makes me want to watch that movie. Uh, thinking about these, these two actresses that I've now spent more time with particularly seeing their chemistry together. So I was not aware of the, their history. And then there's also, I guess, reunions of Tomlin being uh, repaired with her co-star from the West wing, Martin Sheen, who came up earlier in the apocalypse now discussion. And she, uh, and Martin Sheen plays Jane Fonda's husband. And then I guess the other thing is that Jane Fonda is reunited with a co-star Sam Watterson from the newsroom. Uh, who's who plays Lily Tomlin's husband Saul? Uh, but it's um, it's just a really like feel good type show. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean the, the 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 setup, the premise sounds kind of like heartbreaking, and I guess you know it is, but it it is definitely a comedy, and um, and everybody in it is is amazing. <laughs> like they're all just sort of pitch perfect, uh, in terms of their their casting and their execution of their roles and. Uh, Lily Tomlin is so funny and offbeat and reminds the bride and I so much of this uh, friend of ours in her seventies that I like, I, I could just they, like, literally, if I close my eyes, I wasn't, I couldn't be sure which one of them it is. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, Ernie, Ernie Hudson's in it. Our, our best friend, Ernie Hudson. Hey. Oh man. <laughs> and he plays yeah. like a, a love interest of, of uh, Lily Tomlin's character that at this point that I'm watching, they have, they they keep kind of missing and she's, you know, still trying to figure out how to be single. Um, yeah. And the, the portrayal of the, of the relationship between the, the, the men is, it's just not what I've quite seen before in terms of the casual nature that their same sex relationship is treated. Like a lot of times that stuff I feel like is handled with like kid gloves and is, is Do you think part of that though ways? is because they like because they were business partners, and behind everybody else's back they were romantic partners? Do you think that part of that comfort that they have as a couple is just because it's them being great actors and realizing they've been together for thirty years, thirty or forty years? Like they're oh, going to be yeah. comfortable with each other, yeah. you know? And like, and neither of them. Yeah, I guess what, what am I trying to say without like being insulting? I'm trying to think of you know uh, j- g- the got a gay couples you see represented on television, and usually at least one of them has a kind of overly effeminate uh, kind of characterization. Yeah. So like we're big fans of Modern Family, the bride and I, and, oh, sure. and Mitch and Cam. You know that's not like that's that's a relationship I hadn't previously seen. But, you know, there is a bit of like, you know, the character that plays Cam has, has openly said many times that essentially he approaches that role as trying to imitate his mother. <laughs> and uh, and of course, the guy that plays Mitch, uh, that actor, is is a gay man. And there is right. a kind of a I don't know. It's like you for lack of a better or more sensitive way to say it, you could you could sort of tell or, or presume that one or sure. the other are are gay. And uh 
the, the nice thing, I guess, about this pairing of these two actors who are, I don't think are gay, not that that matters, but like, there's a real, I don't know. There's a real intimacy about it that is not at all cliched and they have to deal with uh, just the things that I'm sure every couple deals with. And of course they're dealing with some, some, some pretty serious issues about trying to be kind of in this last, you know, act of their lives, like be them their true selves and, and whatever that means, the fallout of the, of the life that they know with their family previously. But I think it's interesting too, what you said about the business partner thing is like, they've had to pretend to not be gay or, or be in love with each other for years. So right. they're, um, yeah, there can't be any, I think that's though that translates. Right? Yeah. To, yeah. I think though that translates to why they're so comfortable is because if you spend 30 years having to pretend to not be in love with the person, your soulmate, wouldn't you be relieved and kind of like relish the, in the comfort that you would not have to hide that anymore. And yeah. so like that translates really well for me. I, um, I don't know. I I mean, I can, I, I totally get what you're saying where, uh, and maybe I just kind of wrote it off as like the Midwestern, uh, well, they live in California, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> which California, is, Jim. Yeah. yeah, like they, uh, they just are just cool with that. Um, it's it fine. Reminds Everyone me. is beautiful. Uh, it's 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 love. It's be- you know. Sorry, here's Jean Claude <laughs> in my in my head when I hear about I love beautiful things. Yeah, that's fine. You know. Um, it reminds me of um this documentary. I have not watched this documentary, so I can't vouch for its quality. I'm sure it's excellent though. At least the the topic is very intriguing to me. But it's called Out Late, hmm. um, and it's about it, it it is a documentary that um a portrait documentary where each person uh came out of the closet in their fifties or later. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh it makes me almost wonder if like maybe that documentary might have been the inspiration because they're both on Netflix and uh Oh yeah, their um, algorithms. <laughs> yeah, like their algorithms. This is a Netflix you know, show, like, right? Yep. So um, oh, that's so crazy you say that because all those pairings of like, what would viewers like to see? Well, they'd like to see Jane Fonda the, and Lily Tomlin together. They would. They would watch it. They would watch a show that starred Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, um, where Martin Sheen is gay. Yeah. Like that, I I don't <laughs> doubt in my mind that their algorithm could have spit that out. Like like, oh, and magic. a homosexual, a homosexual Martin Sheen, uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Yeah. If you can get all three of those things, you got a winner. Um, you throw in Sam Waterston, who's the one I was the le- the least familiar with. Sam and at Waterston, first, and- I found him kind of. Like he kind of bugged me, but this is where we start getting into the like insensitive talk. I think if we start, if oh, we start discussing well, who we felt was the most effeminate. Oh no, no, no! He's just his general affect was just kind of odd. I think he's he would be. Like I this think in Sam Watterson is definitely the um um uh, like he definitely. I I feel like uh, oh is he playing that key. up a little bit? Is the cam of that? System. Okay. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Sure. Like, no, that makes sense. I haven't seen him um, in enough to know. So, so just yeah, very, um, that makes sense. Just very, uh, dramatic. 
I think is, is that an appropriate term? Just there, very there dramatic. Is, yeah, there's something like pronounced about his mannerisms and stuff. And I thought it was yeah. just the actor, but maybe it's the actor's choices. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, but I've, uh, I've really come around and Martin to Martin Sheen to is like definitely him. like the, um, who's the other character from Modern Family? Like, Oh, I guess the so, Mitch. <laughs> He'd be the Mitch. Yeah, just <laughs> like very Mitch. even keeled. Um, so, yeah, it, I love the it, I so the episode. I don't know how far you are in the series, so I don't want to. Not be, too terribly. Uh, yeah. Well, if Lily Tomlin and Herney Hudson do date, well, their coaches and coaches in it. Jane Fonda's oh. dating coach. <laughs> you know, from awesome. the TV series, not yeah. Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, but. Hey, Dauber. Yes, that um, coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. about as far far in as we, we are. Yeah, I don't want to spoil, and I don't know enough about that show. I shouldn't like that. I would even feel comfortable bullshitting a, a conversation about it. But <laughs> I know what I have seen. I liked, and I and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if the show would have been made made on a network in the '90s, it would be on TGIF. Like that, like yeah, probably. But I think the reason I do like it so much is because it wasn't. You know, it's it's a uh, ultimately like super. It's a lot of it's everyone in it. I think is what it is. Is they're all just being honest in every way with with themselves, with each other, and themselves for the first time. And so yeah. the the crazy things that come out of their mouths. Uh, chief among them, Lily T- Tomlin, who's actually kind of this way, anyways. Like her character is very f- free. Um, spirited kind of a a hippie who never changed like and wears hippie clothes from the 60s and is uh, right but so she has always kind of said what is on her mind and been honest but nobody else really has like Jane Fonda is super uptight and the and the men were hiding the relationship and stuff but that's the other cute thing is like the Saul character who I, who I was saying I initially didn't like too much just because I thought I don't know I just, his his personality didn't click with me but the more I saw him in the way that he's just sort of like, this is who I am and this is how I am like, about certain things. And then I would see him both with that relationship, him and, uh, Oh, I wish I knew their characters. names. I know his name is Saul, but Lily Tomlin, who he was married to, like he still very much loves her and they, you know, they would definitely have like buddy time and stuff. And they still are right. at this point where they're trying to, to reconcile that. And I mean like, well, we can't really do this anymore in that same way. But then he's also that that way with um, uh, Martin Sheen's character, who um, you know at times gets frustrated with him, but at the same time, like that's what he loves him for. So it's it's just really fun to see people being uh, like just embrace themselves in this kind of like fuck it way, and then then to have them be able to say fuck it <laughs> is is really fun. Like right. some of the offbeat humor in it is uh, I think what made the bride pause and be like, Oh, David would like this, <laughs> like the crazy, like combinations of curse words and stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, it is, it is an ensemble cast from what I've gathered. It, it It is a good show. It's a good show. Yeah. I've been, so that's what I've been, I've been digging that for a while, but I hadn't, uh, hadn't brought it on. I just been bringing podcasts after podcast. And I had another couple of podcasts. That I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I gotta not do no. that for at least a I minute. like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so if, if you like, if you like that, that sounds good to you and follow Netflix's algorithm and my recommendation, check that out. That's uh, it is, new. And, and the little bit that I've seen, no matter how much shit I give Ash for watching it, like it is worthwhile. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good show. Um, so that's something new that I've gotten to, to see as opposed to just all the constant Bruce Lee movies and something new that I'm reading, uh, of course would be my, my Stephen King fix, which currently coincides with our book club right now. 
Yeah. Uh, man, how about that uh, last reading assignment? Crazy, right? Yes, yes. There was uh, some things that are starting to uh, come to fruition that are hinted at earlier, but developments are, uh, are so yeah, very interesting. I, I'm going to confess, I did not officially do my post-it book walk. Like, so, because I thought, you know, why not just do that book walk? Why don't we just do that together? So, um, what's that mean, book walk? Oh, well, that's what we did last time, where we kind of just like walked oh, through. like walked through the the pages. And yeah. Stuff. So, and I had post its on all the pages. I'm just gonna flip through the book, and we'll sure. Yeah. Hashtag you know, book as, walk. As like, yeah. Hashtag book walk. <laughs> that's a that's a new um, phrase. I think you coined. Yeah. So why don't um while we're getting ready to do that, why don't you? Can you refresh our memory at where oh, we're yes. at with the book right now? Yeah, I'll try to to synopsize, which uh, is not <laughs> strong suit, but perhaps I can do, develop like that five, skill. Five, five minutes at most. So oh, six yeah, chapters I don't even know. in five minutes. Like it shouldn't even be that long. Like, no, I don't even know that. if I can I can stretch that long. I was just gonna try to. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, um. <laughs> Damn it. So a school Say teacher. L-W-S-D. Yeah, Say L-W-S-D. L-W-S-D. Oh, by the way, if uh, <laughs> this segment in, in this podcast is brought to you by audible.com. <laughs> L-W-S-D. You have this really long yeah. L. Oh, yeah. Because For you I think it's because of L-W-S-D. <laughs> Because I think you're trying to remember the, what the next Sorry letter is, like W L W S D. Long walk L W. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. our logo. It's our logo for Christ's sake. How do you? What do you mean? It's hard to say. You read it all the time. No, no. I, well, yeah, but I think it's, it goes through my head. W W is tricky, and I knew someone once who was very particular about saying it's not W, it's double U. And double again, U. All I can think is double D, but uh, double D. And now I'm thinking double about bra sizes. Oh, it's a mess. But the point, rather, oh. is that for you listeners of Long Walk Short Drink Podcast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with your free day. Fuck me, running <laughs> free 30 day trial. Shit. Shit. Uh, to give you an opportunity to check out their service. So obviously, we're recommending the uh, Dead Zone. Um, but yeah, to, if you want to get the book for free or any other book, if you're at a, if we're doing a different book club by the time you hear this or what have you, or just want to hear, hear something read to you aloud by a skilled actress or actor, go to audibletrial.com slash L W S D to get that there free book. Go. Um, so th- this book that we're reading, the dead zone is about a, a school teacher, uh, Johnny Smith, who, um, literally an every man. Yes. Yeah. Is, is it high school? That's something he teaches I was high school. Yep. Okay. And yep. he's kind of, he's got a burgeoning romance with another teacher there named Sarah, whose last name escapes me. But um, just as they're kind it of. It changes because she gets married. Yeah. Anyway, so. Just as they're falling in love, um, he gets in a, a, a car accident and a cab taking him home from her house um, and is in a coma for four and a half years. And you get to know a little bit more about um, Sarah during that time, as well as Johnny's parents. Um, Herb and Vera. Herb is a salt of the earth kind of guy, and Vera is prone to um, uh, kind of conspiracy theory, religious tinged um, <laughs> mania. Everything <laughs> comes back to God with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is very it's it's very tabloid God related, and not yes, very much so. Not conventional a- religion. 
Right. Um, yeah. And God's coming to she, uh, in that section. She goes to live on a farm because God's going to come on a UFO and take them all away before the rapture. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of, that kind of person. But ultimately Johnny does wake up. And um, when he wakes up, he's, he has, and even before the, you know, the night of the accident, um, he has these kind of um, psychic abilities or premonitions. He can kind of see the future if he touches an object or, you know, it's a little... A person or a person. Yeah. Or a person, yeah. Particular, but it comes through uh, touch especially. Um, so when he wakes up, he's uh, in, in, the, in the hospital after this coma for a long time. You know, like he'll, he touches the nurse and suddenly he says to her that her son is going to be okay. And he, he intuits based on that um, physical touch that this knowledge that her son is going to have a serious operation and that it will, in fact, turn out fine. Um, right. So it really, I mean, that's and like Vera I said, that's pretty. And s- like swears it's like a sign, like God has, like it's a sign from God that he like, there's a plan. That's why he didn't die. She never lost faith that she makes it a point to say that like. Yeah, that's right. And that'll she come into never, play more in this section. She never lost faith that he was going to come back because God has a plan for him. Unfortunately, Sarah did not hold that same faith and about a year and a half or, or so Herb. or whatever. Or Herb. Yeah. So so Sarah eventually, she just thinks like a lot of people that he will never wake up. And so she she gets married and has a kid. And uh, in that time, in those four years... And Herb has got a lot to deal with because of Vera and then, of course, his son being in a coma. And right at the point where he's thinking, kind of admitting to himself that he just sort of wishes Johnny would die so that they could at least mourn that and move on, Johnny wakes up. Um, So that's where we were at the end of the the first assignment. There's also, we're introduced to a very unsavory character, uh, Stilson, uh, Greg Stilson, who we're introduced to early on not by name, but when he's the traveling salesman selling like Bibles, right? Like engraved. Selling Bibles in his own tracks. Yeah. He, and he, cause he makes more money on his tracks, his own tracks that he sells. Yeah. Than the Bibles. And those tracks are basically about the Jewish conspiracy that we're all, that the Jews run everything. Oh, I didn't quite catch that. Uh, specific. Oh yeah. Oh, that, oh, okay. It, it, like, Stephen King is very, very quick with his exposition. You have to uh-huh. like it's it, it's on second or third times through that you catch ever like a lot of it. Um, hmm. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So he uh, we're introduced to him as which is interesting because like Vera Vera Smith would totally buy those things, which you absolutely this guy. yes, exactly. That's a great connection to make. So, um, how about before we start getting into the next section that we start, uh. So you're oh well you're talking about um you're you're talking about Greg Stilson and how we were introduced to him. Oh, he's the other character, yeah. That I mean, yeah. so we we kind of run parallel and that, that develops more in this section. Like these are the people you're following. Like you're following Johnny, but then Johnny's in a coma. So you get and to know the, more about I, the So there's there's Johnny, there's Greg Stilson, and then we are also introduced to the um Castle Rock Strangler. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. Because that, uh, yeah, that doesn't come up in this the second reading assignment that I just did. I don't think. No, um, it, it just in mentioning. I'm sure it'll come back around, but it it helps. Uh, they use it to pass the time. You find out how many victims there are because there's one every year. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and so you you realize how how long Johnny was in a coma because there was five victims of the of the. That's right. Yeah. Of the Castle Rock Strangler. So. Yeah. Um. So there's that too, and I and it's just so that it's just so that it stays in the forefront of our mind. These are the vignettes. Um. So let's. That's where we were at the end of the first conversation, and so then I gave the the assignment for uh for this conversation was chapter seven through fourteen, right? Yep. Yeah. Um. And so and those were uh these were the questions that I had for you to consider while we were reading through these. So just to refresh memory before we start our conversation, and just like last time, we might not come like we might not specifically say. So on the first question, this would be our answer to that. These are just to remind us to help steer this conversation. So how are the reactions to Johnny's powers um, effective and relevant compared to how they might be received today? Um, What parallels exist in all the Stilson scenes we have had up to that point? Uh, So that's like the dog, Sonny. um, Yeah, we're introduced to Stilson as a salesman. He kicks a dog to death. That's like, yeah, that's how you're introduced. (laughs) So the dog scene, Sonny Ellerman, the kid, and then the businessman is how we end this this assignment, right? Isn't that the last scene of this oh, assignment? Uh, yeah, with yeah. Stilson, the with Lions the Club uh, guy. Yeah, yeah. So there's so what parallels exist in all of those scenes? And then for the reaction part, um, what thought comes to mind? Um, in in thinking that. Vera might have had some form of a sixth sense also in knowing that because ultimately all of her talk of, you know, Johnny was put here for a reason. I feel, I feel like up to this point we're, we're barreling towards that is correct. That this power is intended for something. Uh, so what's the thought that maybe Vera also had some kind of sixth sense and maybe did communicate directly with, with God or a God, her God, maybe. Um, I don't know how to say that. She's no mother so Abigail, are, but yeah. <laughs> right. So there, there's, uh, there's the three questions that we were left with before we got to chapter seven through 14. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get my copy of the book cool. and uh, get to chapter seven here at the start of that and then just start flipping through and just seeing what we see Sweet. right that sound good oh yeah yeah i have you know because i listen uh in the car uh so i a lot of times what i do is just kind of make notes at stoplights and stuff that are barely legible and <laughs> so i've got a few That's of those okay. and then there are times when i do mark up the book there are a few like where it gets into like a really great bit where i'm like i can't begin to capture this i'm just like look at the end of chapter 12 <laughs> so i have some yeah. of that as well a lot of it, it tends awesome. to be chrono- chronological for me. Yeah, no, that's and that's perfect. That's why a book walk is so good because we just like yeah. we're is just that something you've heard a- elsewhere? This book walk term or are oh you- that yeah, that's an educational term. Sorry, uh, I wanted it to be yours, but in my mind, it will be <laughs> copyright Palmer. <laughs> copyright it, Palmer. It, it's it's basically <laughs> what you, it's what you do at the beginning of a term with your students. Oh. Where you're, where you take your textbook and you do a book walk, where where it's basically you're going to learn how to use the textbook to your advantage, hmm. uh, and 
that you're going to use through the class. Oh, that makes sense. Particularly <laughs> with a textbook, yeah. All right. So, um, so we ended the first section, the first assignment with the convert, uh, with basically, um, Vera, Herb, Johnny are all in the hospital. Johnny just woke up. Vera is very self-righteous. Johnny and Herb are trying to basically bite their tongues on that. And that's yeah, Johnny's being real cool about it. Like Herb's like, don't you fucking say it, Vera. <laughs> yeah. And Johnny yeah. intuits that she needs to. And so he kind of lets yeah. her. Yeah. And and she's very excited because her boy obviously is is back and she can kind of take care of him while also uh preaching to him. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um and then chapter seven starts. We are introduced right off the bat to uh our good friend, Dr. Wyzak. Right? He's great. I love Dr. Wyzak. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh shit. Those are the notes of course that I wanted. Oh, you uh, need those. Our, you can get them. Yeah. From our good friend. I'm, I'm going to get them while, while I'm getting these notes, the notes that I got from our sponsor <laughs> bookrags.com. Why don't we run that book rags promo again while I get these notes? Hey, Palmer here. Dave and I are so excited to be doing this Long Walk Short Drink Book Club reading of The Dead Zone by Stephen King. Materials for this project were provided by the site bookrags.com. With over 6,000 study guides available on their website, bookrags.com has everything you need to study and ace your lit classes. Enter the promo code PODCAST to get 15% off your subscription. Thanks so much to the great people over at bookrags.com for helping to make this book club possible. So keep listening and keep reading. Have a good one. So we start with Dr. Wyzak. Um, and, and that's essentially where we realize that this is not going to be, this is not going to be a storybook return, right? For, for Johnny, he's not going to get right out of bed and. Yeah. He's not like sleeping beauty. There's a some no. medical hurdles he has to overcome. Yeah. Um, so going through and looking at this, so Dr. Wyzak is working on him and uh, you start to realize that they think that one of the reasons he survived his coma was because he had a prior head injury, like from when he, in his childhood. Yes. Which of course he which, did. Which he did. I, I mean, the book starts out with that head injury happening where he gets the concussion on the ice. And has his first quote unquote like sixth sense. Um, uh, that's where he has his first vision. And why is that confirms that there's a scar on your brain uh, from that original injury? So uh, it, it obviously happened, whether or not you remember it or or not. Um, so that conversation that starts chapter seven, where Doctor Wyzak is is performing these tests on Johnny. And you, in that, Dr. Wyzak comes into contact with Johnny. And this is where, I mean, up to this point, he had a pseudo vision about the car battery blowing up, right? Which nobody interpreted as a vision. What, what was that? Like, is that what he said on the ice? Yeah, when he hit his head on the ice, um, the guy that was the first one to approach him touched him. Mm -hmm. And that's when he said, like, the battery, like, don't jump it. The battery's going to explode. And, like, 
that guy later that winter goes to jump his Buick and the battery explodes and like disfigures him. He loses his oh, mind. Oh shit! I must have missed that. That's what happens sometimes in the car. Like, when oh you're yeah, not audiobook at it. is really like. That's why I love re-listening to books I've listened in, I've listened to on audio because you think you're hearing everything, but you really don't. And so then when you catch that stuff on the second or third time through, it feels like a new, it feels like a whole new book again. Yeah. Uh, and when I, when part- we talked last week, I, I did look at the book and I realized that like in the very first sentence of the, the present day, like after the prologue and stuff, they, they lay it all out. Like that, that, that evening in the wheel of fortune with, and the date at the fair with Sarah and Johnny was going to be bad. Oh, like, yeah. I missed all of that. It reminds me so much like going through it like that of Stephen King's actual writing process, the way he talks about it, where it's like, right. you just kind of write the story and then you go back on this second pass, then I don't remember it's the second pass or which pass it is that you start to identify things like symbolism at that point and, and look for those connections where they are and then accentuate them. So I can imagine he might not have written that scene being like, this is all going to turn out horribly wrong, but he realized later it'd be good to foreshadow that. And it makes me wonder about that kind of thing, but it's, it's fun. But yeah, like a lot of times I just flat out miss it when I'm listening. Yeah, I uh I don't know. It um because I already listened to it once and now I'm listening to it with the James Franco and kind of reading it. I'm not really reading it. I mean, I'm reading it more. I'm skimming it more during these uh our discussions now than I have any other time. So there's something different um, about seeing it, though. I definitely. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like in all the times that I've gone through, in the two times that I've gone through it, plus the time originally I went through it, I feel like I've heard, I hear more every time, you know, and uh, that's why going through these book rag notes are really good, too, because it's very vindicating to know that I'm picking up on at least the major stuff. So, oh, cool. Um, So... We get to uh, Dr. Wyzak's, this is Johnny's first real vision, right? I feel like. Oh, um, I know, yeah. Where we, where we really see the breadth of his powers and uh, abilities. That's what I call them, abilities. Um, but essentially, Dr. Wyzak, his mother suffered from... Uh, was separated from him during world war two suffered from amnesia and didn't even know, didn't even remember him existing. And, and Dr. Wyzak grew up thinking that his mother had died and Johnny essentially lets him know, uh, no, your mom's alive. And furthermore, she lives in California and she has four kids, one of which died in Vietnam. So, um, which I, I, I like, it's just that again is one of the obviously is a very polarizing uh, event of the sixties and seventies. And so he finds like King finds another way to come back to like how shitty that, that time period was, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that, that you get, you get a true vision from Johnny at this point, you know, like a, a true, um, and very specific and detailed. That's probably how it differs a little bit. Yeah. Like when he was a kid, 
his thing about the battery, actually, I kind of lost that in the story of him getting, you know, in the little, and, and, you know, having the, the, I, I don't want to call it accident because it's really later. He has the car accident, but yeah, I lost that part. I didn't quite put that together. And even so much where, when that bad thing happened to that guy, I thought the dead zone was going to be like people around Johnny died. Like I, it, it yeah. escaped me so much, but this is so clear where he says to this guy, I mean, he all but gives him her phone number, you know, it's like, he knows everything yeah. or he knows an awful lot. Um, but the, the term, the dead zone I'm glad that you pointed that out because that was something I wanted to make sure I talked about. And I almost totally biffed it. Um, he, so this is this, these tests that Dr. Wyzak is, is running with him all comes with, uh, it, it comes back to this association. Like he's trying to teach Johnny how to find where his brain had been damaged. It's an association game. You try to make an association line and you're literally retraining your brain how to come to the words and phrases that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, because those pathways were damaged. Your brain can create new pathways. You just have to associate until you get there. And he, uh, is this the part where he 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 can't think of the word for picnic table mm -hmm. and so he has to like go through his dad barbecuing and all of the things that go along with that to get to the word picnic table but at some point he's trying to like get the name of his like when he's giving that vision of his mom he says the words it's in the dead zone and that's literally like that's this is where we when he first talks in that association game where he's just trying to think of the words of things. That's where he first uses that phrase of the dead zone. It's it's literally the piece of his brain that's damaged beyond repair. Like he can't make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the way I take it is he would not have these abilities if that damage was not there. But if that damage was not there, he wouldn't have, he would have the whole picture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, it's yeah, like if the damage wasn't there and he had his power, he would have the whole picture. He'd be able to tell you everything, you know, oh, probably wow. be able to tell you what she ate for breakfast. Oh, you think so? You think, uh, because, yeah, like he had to have the damage to have the, the, the extra abilities. Right. But so I think if he I, would have had both, if the damage wasn't there and he had the ability. Oh, yeah. I think he would get the whole picture. But like it's like that's, his I mean, that's, origin. It, that's like he literally what it uh, says is like, you don't get one without the other. Like Peter Parker can't be Spider-Man if he doesn't get right. bit by the spider. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so he's right. going to have the uh, damage, but, right. a, uh, but yeah, there's the, there's a blind spot as it were. Uh, yeah. I also made a note. I don't know. Most of them, most, uh, mostly I write down what I hear, <laughs> but I, this, um, you lost part of your life and I put dead zone in parentheses. I'm wondering that might've been an association I made where it's like, Oh, it's interesting because I was trying to relate. Remember I said earlier, I had a misconception about what I thought the dead zone was like, there was going to be people dying around Johnny there. Cause there's this kind of ominous hint at his powers being dark and it being like this Jekyll Hyde thing. When the, when the powers come over him, like with the wheel of fortune uh, at the fair, like he's able to figure out like where to bet his money and stuff. But at the same time, like Sarah's getting sick and, and he's getting headaches. And, uh, so there's this kind of dark. And then, then there's the parallel with when he surprised her early in the date with the mask, the Jekyll Hyde mask that you keep coming back to. So there's this ominous 
things surrounding his abilities and, and the uh, found money is cursed, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I had been trying to figure out for myself as a reader, listener, and knowing especially that we're going to talk about it as a book club, like what, you know, what is the dead zone? Of course, at some point he actually says it, but then I'm starting to realize like, oh, this is an especially good title because it extends to all these other things. Like this time that he was, right. he it started to get into more like the repercussions, both physically and emotionally of him being gone for four years. Um, that, and that's a kind of a dead zone. Like he essentially, this is a dead zone in his life. He lost four and a half years. Um, so anyway, that was a note that was kind of not necessarily linearly related to the plot, but that I had right there that, and that he was reading, somebody was reading all the president's men. Uh, uh, that comes later as a result of a conversation that he has. So his parents come to stay with him. Right. And that's when you get like filled in with all the. He gets filled in with all the history that happens, like the resignation of Nixon and Agnew and all the fallout from all of those things. And you get that overlay. And then that's when wise, uh, uh, Dr. Wise comes back and lets him know that he checked up. His mother did exist. Right. Like she was there and he didn't talk to her. her. It's hard not to want to do that impression. I don't think I could do it, but Franco's uh, wise is fun. Uh, which is actually pretty close to the original narrator's version of Wise oh, really? Act 2. Which, yeah, which is interesting. I have to check that, that out at some point. So. Um, but he, this is where he, the, so I th- I feel like this is a big one to take, uh, to take away. Uh, this is where Wise Act says, like, some things are just better left alone, right? And, oh, yeah. Um, and I, and we're going to see, I, that Johnny comes back to that, that conversation a, a couple times, even dealing with Wyzak, uh, especially in the next assignment, we'll, we'll see that, uh, kind of get thrown back in Wyzak's face. Hmm. So just watch for that. Um, in also in all of that, we find that, well, Johnny realizes that. He has essentially lost complete control of his body. Um, yeah. I think this is one of the, one of the most, one of the most telling pieces that dates the book. Um, because the impression that they give with coma victims is that there is almost zero chance for recovery mm. and you essentially are allowed to wither to death as, as a coma patient. Um, what, what my take on somebody that's in a coma, it would be very common for them to get regular physical therapy to keep their body from atrophy. Right. Oh, to keep their, okay. their like, would this have been period accurate, you suppose? Or I, I believe so because I, I mean, Stephen King is very notorious for his research. Uh, but they talk about how this is groundbreaking treatment that he received where he got regular physical therapy but not even enough that he still like was in his pre uh pre uh what do they call that oh pre fetal the he's like pre-fetal in a fetal position, position. Right? yeah yeah because they literally the tendons and everything would shrink Oof. up to the point because they're not being used that they would be in a feet like the a person in a coma temp like goes into the fetal position and then just essentially withers down and dies 
to the point that they talk about another coma victim that had an autopsy done and they had their brain when they removed the brain it was as smooth as a newborn's like it had gone back to nothing oh um yes i missed that and too. he and, and so he was he was getting this groundbreaking treatment, which to me, that's what I, I, I mean, from what I, the limited I know about coma victims, that's what they would get anyways. But he was very special that he got that. Um, and he still had to have all, that's where we start into these surgeries to try to get oh, his yeah. tendons well, here uh, I, replaced. My, my major association with coma patients is from hard to kill. So Steven Seagal movie, I just picture oh, like he man. goes out, he yeah. grows like a long beard and long and, uh, and lets his ponytail out. And then he wakes up and he beats ass to get out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, uh, well, I mean, Let's look at the bride. Like, look back oh, at like yeah. Kill Bill. Oh, like, yeah. she's Wait, in a coma for four fucking years. Exactly. Same time as Holy Johnny shit. Smith. <laughs> Same time as Johnny Smith. She's in a coma, and she spends twelve hours in the back of the pussy wagon. And is able to wiggle <laughs> her big toe. Are you fucking kidding me? Come on now. Oh man, doesn't that make you wish you were still a big toe? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You're still a big toe. You're, st- you're probably still the only one, right? As far as I understand that story. Yeah, I'm, I think I am. That's well, not something I mean, you Mr. Can lose. Peterson. Yeah. Mr. Peterson's the big toe, too. We should try to find him and see if we can get him to come on. Wouldn't oh, that be, be awesome? That would be sweet. Yeah. I would love to talk to uh, anyone so. be willing to talk to us. Yeah. We got to get our pal Twinkie back on, though. When I can exchange these texts, I'm like, oh, got to talk to I this know. guy. I'm telling you, he's our color commentator, man. That's like, we got we to gotta make that happen. It's so yeah. funny. I was laughing earlier when you were talking because it's not that way now, but the. There's a square, there's a triangle in your microphone mount that oh, was yeah? over your eye perfectly like an eye patch for a while. <laughs> it's incredible. I'll try to tweet that out when the day comes. Awesome. So that was, I was cracking up. It wasn't because uh, of what you're saying. It's because you look like a pirate. <laughs> uh, I have That's uh, awesome. I have this note. Uh, let me know if I'm going, hopefully I'm not going too No, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. But, uh, he says the wreck was my warning and I ignored it. Uh he's talking about going through like four years of magazines just to figure out who died. He's like, Jimi Hendrix died. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh yeah. All that is, could you imagine just like, let's think of the last two years that we've been through. Cause we've lost a lot actor wise and musically. Yeah. Shit, last, we just lost like, Chris Cornell in the last week. Fucking I don't like Jesus Christ. Don't even I, like that's So fucking hard. Like, it's really I'm so sorry. Sad, I'm dude. so sorry. I did not like text you about that. Like, Oh, I mean, I don't, I mean, I I don't know. I've never been really profoundly affected when uh, uh, a celebrity died. But there are some where I feel like I might be. Uh, Like, I think if Eddie Vedder dies, if Bono dies, I might be in trouble. But I didn't have a real real relationship with his music. Though I did have a a fondness for him in general. It's the same thing as um, Stone Temple Pilots, who's their... Oh, Scott Weiland. Yeah, he was in the last few years, ultimately, too. Yeah, um... I, well, I'm, it's not like I was beating down the door to go to a sound garden concert. Like Chris Cornell was on the soundtrack of my life. Like, yeah, they're, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like super unknown. That album is like seriously in the, in the temple of the dog album. Both yeah. of those, like those are on oh, man. the yeah. soundtrack of my life, you know, like. Say hello to heaven? Come on! Yeah. Jesus Christ! Yes, sir. Like, 
I mean, and, you cry like a baby right now thinking about that. And, and so sad he was singing that to his friend who died young. Uh, yeah. That whole album. And and it sounds like there was just a bad combination of a, of a prescription drug. And, yep. And an unfortunate. That just pushed him over response. the top. And oh. that's again. Oh, man. Yeah. Fucking hard. Yeah. And. and Another like shitty side note. I had heard rumors that they were going to reconvene and record a second Temple of the Dog album later this oh, year. Oh, that makes perfect sense because they just toured that. They never toured as Temple of the Dog. I mean, Temple of the Dog is is essentially Pearl Jam with it. It actually is Pearl Jam with Chris Cornell singing. With Chris Cornell yeah. singing, yeah. I mean, it came yeah. full circle to where that that drummer in Temple of the Dog wasn't initially Pearl Jam's drummer because he was in Soundgarden, but. By 2000, he was and has been ever since. Matt Cameron right. and uh, uh, oh, so hard. Sad. He's he's such a well. But I mean, could I you imagine? That, but like he's a super goddamn handsome dude. <laughs> but yeah, like, when I picture it right now, like I'm picturing him in he the Pearl could Jam sing documentary. In four octaves, and like, it wasn't even sing. hard for him. Like no, they posted no. a WTF the Mark Marin podcast. He talks to all these great people over the years and. When somebody passes away, he'll repost the, his interview with them if he has one. And yeah. so he reposted it, his interview with Chris Cornell from 2014. And, uh, yeah, it was like I I found myself really uh, liking him in that conversation. As I did, like, I basically picture him in the Pearl Jam 20 documentary where he's talking about Andy Wood and stuff, and he's kind of emotional and um, like devastatingly handsome and talented. <laughs> so, well, he's talking about yeah. Andy Wood as, but he's getting. I don't know. Like it's, that's uh, it's a bummer. That's uh, a bummer to say the least. And so it'd be yep. fucked up to wake up from a coma and be like, your girlfriend is married with a kid. Your uh, your, your mom's rock idols fucking are dead. crazy. Your mom is fucking crazy. Your yeah. dad like hurt himself and is fucking destitute because. Oh, by the way, you got 250 grand in, in uh, medical debt, which, by the way, in 1975 money equates to 1.3 million in today's money. Holy shit. Just so you know. I did not know uh, that. Of course I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh. I looked that up because that's something you need to know. Like, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Uh, that's so you, you learn all that later. shit. So just imagine, I mean, just imagine all the people that we lost in the last two to three years. Cohen, and then Prince. he goes through. Yeah, and he Howard goes Booth. through and he <laughs> finds all that out in a matter of hours. Yeah. And the people that he lost were people like Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, Mama Cass. That was among the first. Like, beyond that, I mean, rock and roll is still very young. Yeah. Like, and, of course, the first uh, major blows to that uh, dynasty or whatever that tradition is, 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 is my pals, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens. And then right. the big bopper who I wasn't especially fond of, but <laughs> Richie, <laughs> you know, I made oh, two oh. La Bambas, right? Yeah. <laughs> and many buddy Holly tapes. So, oh, so anyway, so but, awesome. yeah, yeah. Uh, but those folks were gone before I, I knew about it. So yeah, so, but that was that kind of thing. And that was a big wave of like, we're having now a lot of uh, folks died young. And he was, yeah, he's like, Ugh. he's catching on to that. And he's like, what the fuck with the Nixon and everything? And Sarah's yep. married. So he's got a lot to process. Uh, and uh, he has uh, his first surgery and Sarah comes yeah, to visit all him. these painful and, surgeries. And and it's just like, every time I feel like Sarah comes in the picture, it's just like a fucking knife in the heart every 
time. Yeah. And I think that's what it's supposed to be. Like it's yep. supposed to be fucking traumatic every time she's around. Um, there's a great, oh. um, he says it. Oh, I don't know if I wrote this down, but I definitely made note of it where he talks about it at a certain point. It's kind of his, his, his thinking voice. It's not like something he says out loud, but the, uh, you know, to, to him, they were just getting together and it's been like six months maybe since he's been awake and she's, uh, he, that's the distance he has from that night where they both like profess their love and all this. And, uh, but for her, it's been four and a half years and she's moved on. Like he literally like hasn't had that amount of time. So the emotional sort of inertia of that relationship and him as a as a person, like his emotional he trajectory has is keeping going. The night that he got in the accident, which was right. yeah, they had just professed their love to each other. Think of yeah. think of think of the first time that you and the bride both said "I love you," and think of where your heart was for the next month. Let's you know after that. That's what he's still feeling. I know what, like, I that month after Ash and I finally, like, admitted we loved each other, man, that shit is like, you're on cloud nine. You yeah. Know? And they had just gotten to that point after this kind of tentative courtship, and we know that she wasn't yeah. necessarily super into him because she still hung up on this asshole. And, uh, yeah, so for him, that was very recent, that change. But yeah. he has to process the fact that for her, it was a long time ago, and and but that's the interesting thing too as well is that they haven't gotten into it too much but there's a kind of a a moment frozen time as well so even though he's been asleep it's almost as like that yeah she's had all of this actual time to move on but i think when she sees him she reverts back to that time a bit as well and uh that's what which I think is makes it which is hard. fucking shitty on her part like yeah yeah because she's had the time to process and to move on she needs to be the bigger person in this situation and i don't think she does a very good job of it and we'll get ah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that i feel that like on, that's going somewhere uh, i haven't the, quite witnessed the next, yet because you got real mad <laughs> yeah the, the next uh the next assignment we'll talk about that um probably more but uh let's move on so that we're not spending three hours <laughs> I'm talking about uh, these six chapters. So uh, moving on to chapter 10, that's where we start. Ooh. We're coming yeah, into Vera. Back. Um, Vera has to be put on medication. And this is something they alluded to even at the beginning or at the end of the last assignment where mm. she does have some medical things wrong with her, right? Um, her blood pressure, she put on a lot of weight. Uh, oh, because of the stress of Johnny being sick, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it boils, basically boils down to she needs to go on uh, high blood pressure medication. That doesn't work out for her, and it, she ultimately decides that God, God will provide. If it's something mm-hmm. that she needs to fix, he will fix it. Um, and that's... That's kind of where it's left for a long time. Uh, it's kind of like, again, Stephen King has this way where he does not sugarcoat his foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> he he kind of just comes like, he, he says these things where he's like, and the next time 
that they would all be able to reflect on this, one of them would be dead. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like, like, you're, there's no, there's no sugarcoating that foreshadowing. Like, oh, one of these characters that you've grown to love over the last 800 pages are going to die. You know, um, I'm referring to a Dark Tower foreshadowing. That's almost. Oh, there. really? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I do already recognize the potential for that kind of thing. And then, like I said, I, I just missed it. I would just. Well, I wouldn't miss that one, maybe, but maybe I would. You just get kind of lost in the story, and you don't realize absolutely. that he just told you everything that's going to happen in one sentence. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so she ends up deciding she's not going to take it. Uh, God will provide, and uh, Dave. This is oh, so we get his first reporter. Right. Oh yeah. Like, like he, comes his, to, he ends up having a kind of a go-to guy later, where he's like, "Give me that guy again." <laughs> he's like, right. I know him. Um. Well, we might have skirted over something. Let me let me double check. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have many chapter markers, and I'm realizing that I probably jumped ahead a little. Oh no, we're okay. So the so the reporter comes to get because he's just coming on the story that he found, like Doctor Wisex. The nurses talked, right? Like. Uh, oh, he yeah, had heard yeah. that he found Dr. Wyzak's mother and uh, wanted to know. And Johnny was just like complete, like the guy wanted to make money, but Johnny was just, he's like, listen, dude, I don't have these, like, these, I don't have these abilities. And so uh, Tank is down by my feet because really? it's it's storming and he, oh, I'm his protector. Oh my gosh. I'm his protector. His thunder buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm his, I am totally his thunder buddy. Yeah, he, Maggie I that. do not exist. If Ash is around, I don't exist unless there's something scary. And then it's like, he's like all dad all day long. Oh, there's thunder. All dad. Dad, yeah. let me climb. Like, let's let's cuddle. Uh, loud truck goes down the road and bangs. Oh, dad, come on. Let's hang out, buddy. Like, So the reporter then, the next scene, though, like he's he's like, dude, I don't have any powers. And the next scene, he's with his physical therapist, right? Exactly. Like, and the physical therapist touches him and he's like, listen, this is, this is the scene that is all, like, I picture when I picture the, the walk-in scene, like, this is what I picture in the movie. And the, and it's not the movie though, that I picture it's that Saturday night know, life sketch still, that we've already alluded to. Too. Yeah. All I can think and of so, is you can have ice cream headache. He's like, Hey, oh, your house is on fire. Your cats, they're gonna die. You know, like I'm, I'm a terrible walker. Actually, that terrible. was pretty great for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, um, but that's what happens. Is like he freaks out. It was really great for me. That's totally in the beginning. <laughs> uh, your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. That's the burning cat. <laughs> it's a little so, uh, too when I sometimes yeah. I'm like so oh, weird. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Um, that is what I so, picture too. It's only on the flashes that I. There are times where I'm like I try to picture him because I know yeah, he's going to be. In the I, movie I, I have see. a feeling when we finally get to talk about the movie and the television show, that's going to be really a lot of fun for us because <laughs> yeah. we'll have been through the book at that point in yeah. time. <laughs> Um, do you, do you th is a television show kind of faithful to the book or is it really? Uh, loose? No, you know? not at all. It's really, really loose. Oh, like, so, I mean, cause they like turned it into like two or three seasons of like even a 10 episode at, at an hour, an episode. That's like, 
30 hours. There's no way they would have got like they would have burned through the book in that time. Yeah, that's what I figured. I, I didn't know if maybe they took a more extended um, approach. But. So. So he has this vision with his physical therapist where she touches him. He he pictures her house on fire. Ugh. Um, Ends up like calling the fire department. Fire department gets there. Yes, the house is on fire. He and all the nurses at this point, there's a ton of nurses that all see this all this whole exchange go down. And there's no way that they're hiding this. And so because of that, then Dr. Wyzak decides that he should like hit it head on, right? Like they should have a press conference, mm. right? And uh, so that's what they decide to do. And that's where we're coming to like the, this is the, and this kind of ties back to the question, like the reactions to Johnny's powers. And I I think, I I think this is, and this is just hearkening back to, I really love this book. This book is definitely a seventies book. Like there's, even though it's the tail end, it's like 79, it comes out, but it was still written probably then. It is a seventies book. Right. And, and, but there are definite, things which we'll even get to in this but there are i feel like even this reaction this is like this proves that like nothing really changes you know like the way he's going to be exploited some people want to exploit him most people doubt him a few people really truly understand what he's capable of and feel sorry for him um I just think it's really accurate. It's it, it, and it's great to show that if this were to happen in this day and age, that I feel like this piece is almost exactly how it would go. You know? Yeah, it's interesting the way. I mean the the reaction would be the same, but the means might be slightly different, right? I mean, of course, there would be the probably the press conference thing, but uh, in our world, the uh, I was thinking about that in terms of the question. And later, there's more about the tabloid type angle, but I feel like tabloids, while they still kind of exist, is more like clickbait now, um, yep. type things. Which, uh, so I was trying to think about the mediums and how they might be like. You know, there wasn't a, I don't know if Doctor Phil is still on, but those those kinds of shows, um, and and of course social media that didn't exist at all. It was all sort of traditional newspapers and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's hard not uh, and right now it's hard not to picture any press conference and not see I I mean, Trump, right? <laughs> yeah, or, like, or, or like what Sean I, Spicer. Yeah, I, which ultimately I picture more fondly as Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> oh, I can't picture Sean Spicer as Sean Spicer. I picture I Melissa McCarthy too. as Sean and I, Spicer. I wanted like, so much. I thought when they did that that they were going to start doing the whole, uh, like all of the people in that administration as women. Cause that would fucking kill them. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I really wanted that to happen. They the do Rosie O'Donnell bit. like as Steve Bannon thing. Like she, like oh, I thought yeah. that was actually going to happen. So did I, I. Yeah, and I would love to see uh, as much as I'm happy uh, with what Alec Baldwin has been doing. I would just love it if if they took that route, just because of how much it would obviously devastate that dipshit. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. So yeah, but that's what I ultimately picture in terms of a press conference. I just I'm just waiting for like the the thing to roll forward. <laughs> but uh, what are you doing with your bow song in the, in the, in the PBR there? Okay. So uh, a few things. First off, this is not a bow song. 
this is just a spring-assisted pocket knife. Okay. Uh, so you see this little... I'm going to put it up. You see that little lever right there? Yeah. All right. I'm going to hold this back now, and I'm barely going to touch this. Watch what happens. Well, that comes right the fuck out. Right the fuck... It's spring-assisted. It's a spring-assisted... That's not knife. legal. No, I can't carry this out of the house. I'd have to take this... If I took the spring off, I might be able, I might be okay. But again, you just barely touch it. It's like, watch down here. Oh, yeah. It barely comes out and then it's oh, just geez, like, yeah. right up. I think with our you frame know. rate, I, um, in the in the thing, if, I think if I went one frame at a time, it would go from one down to being one up or like all the yeah, way down to up. No, no, that's, that's totally understandable. So. Uh, so that's the first one. First off, this is not a ballad song. That is a spring-assisted pocket knife. Boom. <laughs> you dumb bastard. <laughs> but what uh, are you doing I, with it? I was playing with the ballad song. This is earlier. the ballad song right yeah, there. It is. There you go. Ballad song. Um, second off, this is not this is not a PBR. Oh. This is an old style. What does that mean? Uh, or is that something is, completely different? Uh, it, it's made by the same brewery, I think. I don't know. I've heard a lot of different things, but this is a really popular in Chicago. This is like Chicago's PBR. Oh. Uh, and they have it down here. So I was drinking Traveler Aloha, right? Mm -hmm. And then now I'm drinking Old Style. And what I'm doing with the knife and the Old Style is, is I'm putting a carb in the back of the beer. You see that hole? Yeah. So that way it doesn't glug, glug, glug when I tip it back. Oh, it just pours right down. Like, I thought that's like a Teen Wolf it. Like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> you know? Oh, I mean, I could chug it if I wanted to. You but know I, how he I'm, bites into the thing and that's how he drinks uh, it? I did that Pamela. once. I did that in like, so um, in the Kent days. Oh, my. This is when I lived on Carroll Street in Akron, in Akron when I was going oh, to. Oh, Yes. But the Kent University thing of Akron. is kind of prolonged. I have different memories, like this townhouse where a bunch of the people we knew lived. You didn't ever live there, right? I didn't live there, no. Okay. Um, they lived in like a three-bedroom apartment on the top floor of this apartment complex. And then the girls, Sarah Starr and Aaron, yeah. lived in a two-bedroom in the bottom the of bottom. that apartment complex, right? I, one time, in my underwear... Wolf. Oh no! Wait. Wolf, maybe this yeah. was that Dan. What? Maybe this wolf, was that Dan's wolf. house. Mark, but anyways, or, I, I, maybe it was both. It might have been both. I <laughs> wolf. I I I teen wolfed a beer and I like literally bit the piece out of the can and cut my lip. So I yeah. was like pouring oh, blood and oh, like oh no. it was terrible. That's yeah, it was like this. It was the stupidest. It was it was really badass, but really fucking stupid. I have just some like so very stupid. powerful canine. Like I have very pronounced canines. Like I think I could. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure I would cut myself too, but I I could make that happen. I think. <laughs> oh no, I could totally. I mean, like I would do it if it wouldn't make a fucking mess. Yeah. You know? Maybe I'll have Ash record it and I'll <laughs> yeah, tweet it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah, and the more I think about it, the more I don't want to do it. But I have no. Un, don't do it. Don't don't. No, you just don't cans. have to like. Don't pull the piece out. Like just puncture the can. Like don't well, actually bite that. it the more out. I think about like, it. See, that's why I can't claim the dude therapy thing. Like I'm not that. I'm not bold enough <laughs> to, to, to bite into a can. You don't want to actually get in a fight. I really wanted to get in a fight at my bachelor party. Uh, I wanted at your to bachelor start a, party. 
At my bachelor party, I wanted to start a fight club, and I was going to start a fight club with Stan the Man. Whoa. Because I felt he was the only one who was, like, my equal, because he's, like, six foot seven and, like, really big. And uh, I was like, let's just fight each other. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then it was like, <laughs> I was like, listen, I'm getting married, and I've never been in a fist fight before. And I just really think that I should fist fight one of my best friends as opposed to just like somebody that I'm really mad at because we can get in a fist fight and then afterwards we won't be mad at each other anymore because we were friends when it started and friends when it was over. And he's like, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, come on. That makes sense. You know, that makes sense. I have to agree. Yeah. 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 And so like, um, so and so like we he's like but let's just drink and let's see what happens and i'm like okay and so and so we're we're drinking and we're just drinking and drinking and drinking and like shit it's crazy like my fucking bachelor party was outrageous where was and, it it was in uh, uh in, in the- athens in like athens. ou Jesus campus Christ. like athens ohio I didn't go to OU, but I love to party there. Let me tell I've you. I've heard that that's uh, a spot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, but like two or three hours later, like Stan the Man's just like, hey, I don't want to fight you. I love you too much. And I was like, oh, I love you too, buddy. And it's like, who's going to fight somebody that says I love you too much? So like we didn't get in a fist fight. I'm much more willing to get in a fist fight. Than I would to bite a can at this point. The more I think about it, are you that. serious? Jesus, I don't come know, on, man. Dave. Well, a good natured fist fight because the I don't like that idea of like the teeth on aluminum. No, it's bothering me the more I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> so he has this press conference. Johnny's in this press conference. And one of the reporters is just like, you're a fucking fraud. And I want you to prove, I'm, we're going to prove you're a fraud. You can either do a reading right now for us or you're done. Or you're done! <laughs> That's right, yeah. He, they, what is the, who does that to Jesus? Like, is it Pilate that does that? He's like, show us some magic. <laughs> um, I thought Pontius, isn't Pontius Pilate, he's the, like, he's the guy that has the say to, like, release Christ, right? Yeah. There's definitely some people that, you know, they're like, well, just show us some of the magic yeah. and then so we believe it. That's, That's not how bit. magic works. <laughs> Is that a quote from something? No, I mean that I'm just telling pretty you heartfelt. That's not, yeah, yeah. You had this like knowing look on your works. face where you're like, "No, I'm deadly." He's like, "That was a real heartfelt." Like, that's not how magic works. That's not how magic works. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. That's just not how magic works. So, but Johnny is just like, "Fuck this, I'll do it." Right? Like, Wisex is like, "No, don't do it." He's like, "I'm gonna do it. I'll do what I want." So he tells that guy, he's like, give me that, give me something. And so he gives him his St. Christopher's medal. He reads it and is basically able to tell him the history of the medal, which is it was owned by his sister who died of an overdose. The dude gets pissed, punches Johnny and then passes and Johnny passes out. And that's his like, that's his second, like true reading. Like he Um. is able to connect with that object yeah that was and, very thorough like because he had the nurse who he told about the the son but that was kind of vague like you know your son's gonna be fine and but then he tells why about his his mother and now he tells this guy about his sister in much more yep. detail yeah is it progressing like his knowledge and, and um i it is definite i mean so at this point we have we I, we have progressed in the severity like we 
uh, we were able, I, I, I really equate this reading of the St. Christopher's medal and the reading of Wyzek's photo of his mother. Um, I, I equate those. They're about the same, right? One ends up that the person is still alive that they're reading and the other one ends up that the person is dead. But I, I, I see them as being essentially the same hmm. in their like scope. Yeah. Right. Um, but the difference between those two events is that the press conference one is completely documented. Yeah. Televised. Documented. And newspapers, uh, which, photographed. And new, yeah, and which leads to someone in particular in Johnny's life seeing the broad, seeing this event happen. Sarah, um, Sarah Connor, Vera. not Sarah Connor. But Sarah, no, what's Vera. her fuck now? What's her name? No, Vera sees it. Oh mother. yes, sorry. So yeah. Vera in the in in seeing the broadcast of this event. Uh proclaims this is the gift that God has given her son. Since she stopped taking her high blood pressure medication, the stress pushes her to um, a stroke. Yeah. And she essentially, uh, she dies. I mean, it essentially progresses to where yeah. she, but first she, she dies. She's in a hospital just uh, above or to the north of Jerusalem's lot, they make a point of saying. They do say that. And when Johnny goes to see her, she makes it a point that she's been holding out to see him. And she says, God God has put you here for a purpose. Like, yeah. you have a purpose. Uh, so again, it comes back to that message of, there's a reason you have this gift. And I feel like that it, it, it ebbs and flows with this gift with Johnny of, yes, I have a gift, but man, isn't it shitty? Yes, I have a gift, yeah. but man, isn't it shitty? It's not like, yes, I have a gift. No, I don't have a gift. I don't think he ever doubts his ability. But he does like, it is a gift and I'm going to do something with it versus, oh, it really sucks because all of this bad stuff happens as a result of it. So I don't want to do anything with it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, because it was a, like his initial... um what he would say about his mother and the he's like found money only brings bad luck or something is what his mom said. But at the same time, that's that same superstition in her or whatever that, that attributes sort of divinity to this thing that has happened to him. And I, I wrote that I seized upon that too, where she says to him, um, you will know the voice when it comes, it'll tell you what to do. Um, what a power God has given you do your duty. She tells him to him. Yeah. She tells and him I to think him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this, but this starts to hammer home that maybe, maybe Vera did have a connection, even if this connection only existed now at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on her way out. Um, uh, maybe God realized, oh, she will accept this vision, and so I'm going to take advantage of this moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, to deliver that, but regardless. I think this does help like hammer home that Vera does have a connection. Like you're, you're meant to do something with this. Um, so we are, we jump from that scene to Johnny losing his mother 
We jump right to another Stilson scene. Oh, I love this last paragraph. I, this is one of the few things oh, I ahead. hear, Mark. Go ahead. It's because it's interesting the way like we really track very specific characters in this book, and it jumps around very scene based. If it's going to change the scenery, you're going to get a new number. It's not a new chapter, yeah. but like a sub a number. new sub sub chapter. Yeah. yeah. And so it says that's that's actually just coming off of just what I said. She says, "Do your duty, John." Yes, Ma. And then in the last paragraph says, "This is the last paragraph of chapter 12." It was the last time he ever spoke to her. She died at five minutes past eight on the morning of August 20th. Somewhere, I think that's my anniversary. That is my anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, uh, marriage anniversary, yeah. Somewhere north of them, Walt and Sarah Hazlitt were having a discussion about Johnny that was almost an argument. And somewhere south of them, Greg Stilson was cutting himself some prime asshole. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... We come to Greg Stilson, right? Yes. And at, this point, and at this point, like every vignette we have had with Greg Stilson, we come right into him dealing with another entity, whether it's a dog, whether it's um, biker. <laughs> the biker, whether it's this kid, this nephew whether it's the businessman that we'll talk about in the next time we see Greg Stilson, uh, it's always him dealing with, it's always him one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. That's your question, right? What like, what's the, the parallels that exist in all these scenes? Right. Uh, it's always, uh, dealing with an entity that, um, that underestimates Greg. Do you ah, feel like, yes. do you feel that too? Yes. Like they, they all underestimate him in some way. Yep. Uh, he always has the leg up on them, and he knows he has the leg up on them before they guess, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, yeah, with the dog especially. Before they realize it, though, he he wouldn't go into the situation if he did not know he had the leg up. That's what oh, I. That's yes. my take on it, right? Like, that's yeah, that's very insightful. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I was trying to think of that because you set me up with the question, like think about it. Right, I, r- right. I didn't come up with that particular angle. That's yeah. Um. So he's dealing with this. Is uh, he is still just a businessman at this point with this this. It is the nephew of a city selectman uh, or councilman, he, a city councilman. He doesn't have any political office at this point? I don't think so. I think he's just a, he's a pillar of the community. Like he, that's you know right. what I mean? He, like, yeah, and he'd like, established that kind of youth thing that's kind of a front for the biker deal. Right, right. Like he, um, the youth works. So if you get stuck with drugs, if you get caught with drugs, instead of sending them to jail, they put him on community service. He does that, right? Yeah. Um, couple other, like he's gained notoriety in the town because of a couple of these avant-garde approaches, like these unconventional, almost like he uh, is not a member of the swamp. Um, yeah yeah oh my god Uh, yeah so anyways um (laughs) he's he's working with the nephew of a city councilman who was caught wearing a shirt that says some obscene (laughs) baby let's fuck (laughs) yeah baby let's fuck um and he basically no you're fine uh he basically 
scares the shit out of this kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll say. Um, again, the kid totally mis like underestimates him. He he do, he and he even says he what's funny is is dealing with this kid, he even acknowledges he almost loses it like he did with the dog. You yeah, know, that like was he, when I was trying to think of what are the commonalities. I didn't come up quite with what you just described. A lot of it was symptomatic. Like him trying to hold it together, trying to keep control when he felt himself losing control. And the headache, like he gets these headaches, just same as yep. Johnny did, especially when Johnny, prior to Johnny's accident. So yep. there's that odd connection. Um, um, oh, go ahead. No, that's... Um, I was just thinking, but, but those are, the, those are some of the commonalities I was drawing like the, Oh no. And the, those are, and those are all definitely there. And I mean, he like, it's, it's until he like cuts the broken bottle cap, like across the kid's bare stomach and the, just like draws the faintest amount of blood that he's like, Oh shit, I need to back off. And, yeah. it, and I think, and it's because he realizes that if he would have gone one step further, he would have been kicking this kid to death. Right. I mean, that's yeah. the way I take it. Like, and even that's, I think, further than he intended to go. Because, like, the guy absolutely. that brought him in, the councilman or whatever, was, like, you know, wanting him to help with the matter but not really hurt the kid. He's not mayor, right? Stilson's not mayor. Like, I have this dr line. He is me. not mayor yet. I think it's, I think the next vignette when we see him, he is officially okay. mayor. But okay. I think at this point, he's still just, um, he's still just a prominent businessman. He does the, Insurance and real estate, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I have so, this note too that he he needs to see fear. He seems yep. to crave the fear. And his I have this note. He says his terror was perfect and complete. And I think that's something he craves to see in these uh, backroom negotiations. Oh, which is just so ah so sick. Um, yeah. All right. So. We get that little vignette from Greg Stilson. Oh, wait, before and, and, we move on and, from that, I have just one other like thing. Oh, no, go th ahead. Th there's a lot of the, <laughs> just having quotes here. There's a lot of discussion about just who's the asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> so with that whole thing that sets up the scene about Greg Stilson was cutting himself some prime asshole, like he has a real yeah. conversation with the kid about who is the asshole here. <laughs> is he the asshole or yeah. is Greg the asshole or is machine the asshole? Is That's another news, uh, thing as well where <laughs> there's a joke in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back <laughs> where Jay uh, is dictating to Silent Bob a, a message into the internet and he's like, tell him, you are the ones who are the ball lickers. And he's like trying to get back out on a, on a message board. That comes from some interaction and in real our life. shit will feed you our shit yes. made out of your yeah. shit. Yeah, I know that. I know that. The, the, do you know that the origin of that reaction was, I guess, Kevin and Jay were on the street somewhere and they passed somebody and uh, they get a pretty like the, somebody says something to them as they pass and they get a good ways past them. And then Jay turns around and he's like, you are the one who is the asshole. <laughs> but <laughs> But that part like was genuine and in real life, like he had a delayed reaction or wanted to. So that's what I always think. But like they had this debate about like who is the asshole, and at a certain point, it you know there's blood drawn and the kid's shirt is burnt and stuff, and he goes over the top. And the, and 
I feel like he goes just as far as he did when he killed the dog. Like with this well, kid. not as far. I mean, he killed a dog. I mean, uh, but he listen, he killed he a dog, but he, but he, like, no, but he, he went, he risked just as much, I think. Because if this councilman would have found out as far as he took, like, if yeah, this councilman would have found out that he's making deals with shady bikers in the, in his, in his office and he's torturing his nephew essentially in his back office, like, he would have lost any of any ground that he gained. As yeah, a, as a that's you know. right. Uh, and it's not like the bride when the bride kills. Uh, well, she's not Black Mamba, but she wanted to be <laughs> Vivica A. Fox. Vernita Green. And and her daughter comes in, and the bride's like, "If you still feel raw about it, you know, come find me." It's it's not that. Like the Stilson is like. You know, you best not think better of this when you get into college. It's right. Like basically, like right. I will kill you if you if you try to right. <laughs> come after me about this. Right. Yeah, he's not to. He's not to. Uh, he does not like to be called crazy. <laughs> but I think maybe he is. And he doesn't like <laughs> things standing in his way either. No, he's got. Yeah, I had this other note too about that that scene where he starts to talk about he's getting closer. Feeling closer to his destiny, which is something he mentions in that first dog scene too, like that he right. he feels destined for something that he's moving towards. And in his in his conversation with Sonny, he alluded to, "I'm going to need your help at some point down the road," which again ah, is yes. like is 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 a, is a hop skip and a jump away from talking about destiny, right? He has a plan. I think all of this alludes to the fact that he has a vision for where he's headed. Yeah. And and he is a man that is patient and meticulous enough to put all the the pieces in place to make that happen. Um so just as fast as we come into Greg Stilson's life, we leave him again. Uh and we are we are transported to dealing with uh Sarah and her husband Walt. Mm. Uh, and basically they get into an argument because he talks about how um, this is this scene is going to set up some foreshadowing that we're going oh. to see in the next assignment. They essentially get into an argument because Walt makes the case that Johnny is milking this for every cent that he can. And he supports him in that, that yeah. he thinks that that is. And Sarah takes great offense to that because Johnny wouldn't lie. That's what it boils down. Yeah. Yeah. He's just saying like, yeah, there's a book and writing about waking up from a coma, but that's only so much money. But if you're also psychic, then the sky's the limit in terms of what you can make off of this opportunity. And he, he, he makes it a point to make sure she understands. I don't have any problem with any of that. Like that's okay. Yeah. But, uh, but that, it's almost an argument, then it diffuses. Uh, but I, I made note too of this whole thing with, because uh, I don't know how it plays out exactly. But obviously, Sarah, that's what I was saying before. There's this interesting thing where the relationship stops for both of them. Johnny's asleep for four years, but Sarah has to move on. But we, we kind of established earlier with her previous relationship that that's not easy for her to do in general. Yep. And she's kind of stuck there emotionally as well. And Fuck uh, Sarah. That's all yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Sarah. Um, but she it's has this, so unfair. Yeah. I, yeah. I, again, I can see where that's like, going. Yeah. Like so unfair. Like women just got to get their cake and eat it too. That's what like. It, uh, 
Yeah, I, there I are dudes too, but we probably encountered more women. There are okay. there are dudes too. There are dudes too, and I'm not trying to sound like because I do not agree with like the men's right movement at all. Is that a thing? That it, oh, that's totally a thing. Oh, that's like the backlash. I mean, yeah, I don't think I even want to entertain. Yeah, that no, idea. like, <laughs> but it, but there, I feel like though there is a double standard that. Women can be just as manipulative as men and just oh, as shit. like yeah, out to get their own agenda, <laughs> like to, to like get like the, and that's where I'm at is like, let's just, let's just call a spade a spade. And like, that's, is yeah. that a socially accept? Like, can we say that? Even? I think like, so. Right. Is that just a reference to the card? <laughs> I, I hope know. so. Like, like, let's just call a spade a spade though. And let's just say like. Like women can just as be as shitty and manipulative as men can. Right. That's all yeah. there is to it. And and out to serve their own interests just as much as a man can. Somehow and, that's what I was moving towards too as well with Walt is that Walt is essentially, I don't know if he's actually a politician yet, but they refer to what they're he's doing. Lo- he's moving towards that. And you'll yeah. start to see that. Like I love, I do love Stephen King's way of progressing time through character action even sub character action and that's one way like walt's career is one way that you progress time throughout this book yeah and there's Uh, that two-faced thing again where like the night before they're schmoozing with these people and then then and then that day at at breakfast where he's besmirching uh uh johnny he's also kind of talking shit about the people whose ass he was kissing the night before and there's this right there's a kind of a you know, Sarah doesn't like that. Nobody really likes that. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, that's something that struck me. I was like this kind of, you don't so, like Walt so much. I also wrote down these two names just quickly. We won't elaborate on them too much. S- somebody's cat. I think his name's Speedy Tomato. <laughs> that's their cat yeah. is Speedy Tomato. Yeah. <laughs> which is a fantastic cat name. If you're going to have a cat. Yeah. I guess. That's a terrific name. And at some point, um, somebody, I th- I think it's when people are sending things to Johnny, which we might be about to talk about. He there's a mispronunciation of the town or something. One of which is Poonuts. Yeah, and one of which is Poonuts. <laughs> Poonuts. I like Pono yeah. too. Is one of the ones. Oh that... <laughs> no! Yeah, I love when Franco says that. But then yeah, one of them is Poonuts. So I just those were fun little asides. Yeah, so no, that's a great segue. Now. So we're um so we leave that little that little vignette with Sarah and Walt and Denny. Oh yeah, that's Speedy yeah. Tomato. Speedy Tomato. Uh, that's a fucking great name. <laughs> that's a great name for a cat. Uh so we leave all of them and we come back to Johnny and he's living with his dad. His mother is passed. Uh his one major piece of exercise that he get is walking the the driveway which is a quarter mile how fucking long is that driveway jesus christ a quarter mile walk like you know it's interesting the remember we were talking before about grace and frankie and i was talking about this friend of ours who is essentially frankie (laughs) yeah yeah Um, yeah but our frankie lives in a place like that so i can very really yeah i can very clearly picture that jesus that is like i mean that that's my dream is to be that far off the road that it's like oh brian and i've been talking a lot about that lately (laughs) like about looking at property i want to buy i'm going to buy enough land that i can like put up one shipping container cabins all over the land and rent those out Oh. That's what I want to do. And then have my own shipping container house. 
that I live in. House. Yeah, man. Like, uh, dude, I like don't. This. We need don't to get into it. some of these plans at some point. Oh, hi. Don't, uh, oh, man. There's some serious uh, butt wiggling from the dachshund. Hi, Eleven. You want to say hi to the, the podcasting community? You got some thoughts in the dead zone? You need my face? All right, you got. I got. I got a. Okay. <laughs> dude. The live audience. Get out of here. She's so enthusiastic. Yeah, you didn't get to meet her. She's a goddamn delight. So is Maggie Mae, but Maggie Mae is kind of a cranky old lady. This one's a very rambunctious young. Here's okay, Gav here. I, We're talking Stephen King. Fucking have some respect. I'm sending you a picture <laughs> of, of a tank right now. He's like all he's so pissed with this like with this thunderstorm that's going on, we should wrap up oh, quick because oh, he, sure. needs, he, yeah. he needs console. He needs his thunder buddy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he does. Uh, which I, they say you're not supposed to. I don't give a shit. Listen. Well, if, I think you're if not if supposed a, to do with your dog. If there's a living thing that's like, please console me, I'm going to console it. They say like, not to just, do that with your dog? Well, I mean, like, like... You know, if you come home and the dog just like not promote separation anxiety, oh, you're not supposed yeah. to make a big deal when you come home. Like there's, you're yep. supposed to like, you know, I'm very familiar and with like, that actually. Yeah. Like all that kind of shit, like all that kind of like, fuck, my dog wants to be up my ass because he's scared. Like I'm going to be like, oh no, you're fine. Go over there. You know, like go away. You yeah. know, like that's just shitty. No, we got the different one. Like uh, Maggie's got those. Oh, poor tankers. Maggie's got the separation anxiety. So we have to ignore her just a minute for when you get home. Like don't cater to her right away. But Elle, like she just wants to eat my face when I get in the door and there's no problem. She's, she doesn't have separation anxiety. So I just let her. Yeah. Yeah. We so got, got anyways, books. Gav here. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, dog. Fuck yeah. you, dog. I said nice things go away. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> didn't like that. Okay. Oh, sorry. No. Didn't like it. So he's back at his dad's house. His mom's passed away. Yeah. He's trying to come to terms with his. So he's getting like you alluded to. He's getting mail all the time. Touch this. Feel this. Let me said. know. Blah blah blah. Like like me 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 me. Which, again, I think is a great parallel to, like, present day. There would be zero consideration to Johnny. It's just me, 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 me. I, I love... This obviously is not King's most mature piece of work. Uh, it, as far as, like, a write, like the, the craft of writing... I feel like the stand blows this out of the water, right? Yeah. And this came out after the stand. Yeah, this right? is this is an interesting kind of exercise, and and uh, it happens to be our first book club, but it's not like this is our favorite king. Like it just happens no, to fall in the absolutely chronology. not. Like it just happens to fall in the chronology. It's not even the great, the best example of a king work. Oh yeah, no, it's not. Um, I've enjoyed it so far, but it's it's not. Uh, However, the piece about the the brother who was lost while he was on a hunting trip. Oh. Like, it's the one artifact that he did have a connection with, and he had a vision yeah, about it. Yeah. That shows you where King is capable of going and where he will go in his future works with exposition. Uh. And just, like, in the way of, like, working it. That is so, it, it's so 
I got worked the like three times I went through that scene, I got worked up every What do you time. think about to get worked up? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what but is that from? That's from Teen Wolf. That's what happens in the uh, dressing room. That's what she says to him uh, before she takes her bra off. <laughs> no, but it's just like it, 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 like my heart palpitates like in that, yes. in that scene. That was a like thing that, like in the, in the eighties and late seventies, I feel like where I literally as a kid had a deep fear of quicksand. <laughs> it was where does that even come from? I don't even know around. where that comes from. That like, was in the air at the time. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of specific. The only specific thing I can trace it to for me personally was an episode of the Incredible Hulk TV show, but it left such an the indelible... Princess Bride. That's the only thing I can think of. Is oh, the, yeah, is the lightning stand. Later, you know? but that was like you don't get that plot device now. But that happened a lot at the time, and it was oh, a man. terrifying. It, like it's so inevitable fucking. T- yeah, death, you're gonna die. Sand. Like slow oh. die. Yeah, slow die. Yeah. It, a slow die and so that that that's such a great example of like where king is going to go as and how a writer. how interesting like, was it to hear that read by franco from 127 hours you know like this guy right. that's on oh a thing yeah, and get yeah. Separated oh and i didn't even think of that connection that's great it was really though. fresh like, for me so i did but it you know it was, it was kind of short but i was just like he has to make this association in his actor brain so as he's dealing with all that, a rando dude shows up on his porch one day. Yeah. Who is who dyes his uh, hair gray. <laughs> who dyes his hair gray. Think about that kind of dude. Yeah. Right. I, I'm not sure. I know. Like, I can't picture that dude. I can picture. I love how he describes his clothes still having the crease from being folded and bought so that he could seem like he was from this area as opposed to from New York City. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that is funny because that's a New England thing. He talks about that later on in other books about guys that come down from New York or come up to ah. New York and they buy this plaid and they leave the creases in there. Yeah. Like that's how you can tell that they're posers right? is because the creases are still there. They're not like broken in plaid shirts. You, you know, know it's crazy. Like, do they still sell those kind of pressed square plaid shirts? Is that a... Period. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Do? Okay. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I didn't think they did. Okay. Um, I feel like here's here's a sidebar. I feel like I have an understanding of New Englander culture because of my love for Stephen King. Oh, I think that's very possible at this point. I w- after three would, years and how many books? I would <laughs> never understand some of these nuances in the New England like culture if it were not for my love of Stephen King. Yeah, and, that makes perfect sense. And, and this, like, this plat, like, the way that Johnny is able to say, oh, this guy's obviously from New York. He's not from around here because he still has the creases in his shirts. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I wouldn't, you would not pick up on that if, like, that's, that's obviously you, a way that you would tell somebody that's trying to pose, right? Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that about him, I have to say. Like, his... His writing about where he's from and that kind of detail and adhering to it. like I think that Stephen King is the prime example of you write what you know. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's no other way to say it. You write what you know. Like, yeah. And there are he certain, knows certain horror writers. And, and he knows New England and he puts those two things together. Yeah, there and there's certain writers whose sense of place is very important. And unfortunately, uh not unfortunately, fuck that. As we talked about earlier, not unfortunately, very proudly, the two that come to mind for me are Bruce Springsteen and Stephen King. Like uh 
or fucking Kevin Smith a right. or whatever like that. You know, but there's Kevin a Smith is another good one. Yeah. I know that. Like I studied Springsteen's career over the last so many years, and at a certain point, he it was always that, but he made a conscious decision at a certain point that 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 was important. He could either lose himself and to be a fat Elvis, or he could tie himself to his roots of where he came from. And I and I have to imagine that Stephen King faced a a similar uh, conundrum. But uh, yeah, so it's yeah, I lo- I love that detail though. That was a super affecting detail about the shirt yep. and the crease, more yep. so even than the dyed gray, gray hair, which is nuts. <laughs> and it sets up that, but that one little line sets up this whole scene in the power play that happens between those two characters. Um, because essentially the way it boils down is this dude is from. A rag. I mean, a rag in the, the raggiest sense of a rag. He write, He represents a tabloid that you would, that he, that even Johnny says, oh yeah, your paper is what's in the checkout at, at the supermarket, which is again, this whole like cyclical thing. That's where tabloids are sold now. You know, like oh, still, sure. they're yeah. still in the checkout. I have the, such the, strong memories of that uh, growing up. You know, being an IGA yep. and Ritman and Bueller's and Wadsworth or whatever and seeing those and Batboy. He basically says, listen, we want to bring you on as a psychic correspondent for our tabloid. We'll set it up that people send artifacts into you. You will give predictions and readings like five times a year. Basically, you do a minimum amount of work. We'll pay you a shitload of money and you get to keep all the shit people send to you. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting caveat. That, that was uh, he seized upon that, and so did Johnny. And uh, and all of way. those, like all of those things, basically like turn Johnny's stomach, and he sends this guy off. He's like, oh yeah, this. he he like he for, kind of freaks out. Like he yeah. gets really dark, and he's like wishes the guy's mother cancer, and he literally yep. kicks his ass off the property and threatens to like go get his yep. rifle. It's an I interesting mean, he's so, thing. <laughs> he's so dirty. Well, and I mean, and the guy is so sleazy about it. Like, oh, we'll write in a clause that you'll get to keep. Like, of course, we can't send anything back. They should only send like, but you'll be surprised what the people are willing to send. Yeah. And we'll write a clause in so that you get to keep any of it. Right. You know, and just like, oh, it's so shitty. It's but, so and then shitty. He, and like, he starts saying, t- he starts, uh, because Johnny's obviously uncomfortable with it, but he starts saying, like, well, you're going to have these expensive hospital bills. Yeah. You know, really- and again, coming back to this 250, we've already know, oh, yeah. like, Johnny's parents went into Hawk to pay for all this medical, like, treatment. Yep. He's 1.3 million equivalent to today, 1.3 million in uh-huh. the hole, like, on these medical expenses, right? And his whole life and is it, an upheaval. <laughs> like, you know. And his whole, and like, Tragedy after tragedy. He spent four and a half fucking years in a coma. His mom dies nine months after he comes out of it. And he learns that the girl he loved two hours before he got put in the coma, married some dude, had a baby in the same hospital that he was in. Like, yeah, who wouldn't like, want to fucking, like, yeah, shit on themselves? Like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's no wonder he turns on the guy, yeah. which is the, mo- the guy's mom's and so, cancer out of anger. Yeah. I know. No, no, but that guy's fucking mom should get cancer. <laughs> That's shitty. My mom died of cancer. That's awful. I know. Coming from you, that's that's something. (laughs) He's a dick. This D. Whatever the fuck his name is. Um. Anyways, 
I have so this going from that, there to Stilson. Is that right? That happens, and then Stilson is the last thing that happens in this assignment. And this is the last vignette. And again, it's just like every other instance that we've seen Stilson up to this point in time. Somebody underestimates him. They think he's crazy. As soon as he thinks that he's crazy, as soon as he thinks that they think he's crazy, that's when he gets his craziest. Yep. And he scares them so much that then he gets to do what they want he wants them to do. Yeah. And basically this comes down to he is getting ready to start his political career. He says he's gonna he wants to run for the House of Representatives as an yes. independent. So he is mayor at this point in time. Now in this vignette, okay. he is mayor. He wants to run for House of Representatives. The banker is like, you're fucking crazy. Like, this isn't gonna happen. And yeah, because there's this as guy he, who's held that 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 uh, I can't remember the name, but like there's somebody who's been in that seat for years upon years upon years. And it's just kind of inevitable that they will always be elected. And he's like, no, no. Right. No, it's going to be me. I got a destiny. And so you're going to help me raise the money. And this is where, this is where we start to get. This is where shit happens. Yeah. (laughs) Everything is all cyclical. It all comes back. Right. I just need a little money to prime the pump. And that that phrase, if you remember back, like there was a phrase that Donald Trump said this week that made like made the connection to this and oh. it was prime the pump. Like he, he had said just that? said oh. Yeah, like and he claimed the responsibility for creating that phrase, priming the pump. What? That's I invented so that. I, I I came up with that priming the pump. That was me. Maybe he that was me that? that said that prime the pump. Yeah. He's like the Gene Simmons of politics. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and so he uh so, but Greg Stilson says that over and over again. I just need a fifty thousand dollars to prime the pump. Fifty grand to prime the pump. Fifty yeah. grand to prime the pump. Oh. Right. There was so much in this in this <clears throat> chapter that I wanted to highlight. I highlighted a few things. I remember that one and a lot that came after it, but there was a lot. To to that phrase, it is very very Trumpian. It's very Trumpian. Like there's no other way to say it. Uh, Well, here's here's this one thing I did highlight. Go ahead. Uh, It said Greg drew in his breath. They're all gonna think I'm kidding. See, they thought Longley was kidding, but I'm not kidding. I'm building windmills. I'm gonna supply the building material. And and oh wait. And you're gonna supply the building materials. Like yep. this, he, he talks like that. Like, we're gonna build a wall, you're gonna build a windmill, and you're gonna pay for it, and I'm gonna fucking take yeah. it. And I'm gonna get all the credit for it. It's gonna be me, but you're gonna do it. Yeah. Like it makes me oh, wonder with so that many, orange motherfucker so in the White House, like how many bodies he has buried and dogs he's kicked dude, to death, you know? Dude, like there's so wait, it just gets so the parallels get so much better. I'm glad that we're finally like to the point that we can be like, oh, Stilson is Trump. Yeah. Just so you know. The whole thing, like, like they're going to think I'm kidding. <laughs> when he wants the uh, he wants the guy to raise $50,000, but he wants him to be his campaign manager. Essentially. And, and the guy is like, you're fucking crazy. You don't know how politics work. And that's where Stilson then plays his card. Oh, as soon yeah. as he hears you're crazy and he shows pictures of the dude basically cheating on his wife. 
Like it basically, again, it's the same scene over again. Here's a dog that would have been left alone, would have been fine. Stilson decides to pick a fight with it. Mm. The dog thinks that it can bite off a, a like a chunk of his cuff. Yeah. Stilson lets that happen just to prove, fuck you, I could kill you if I want to. Yeah. To get them to do what they want to do. He did it to he did it to the dog, all of that literally. Yeah. But then he did it to Sonny Ellerman, he did it to that nephew, and now he did it to this dude. And it's all to show like he he is a one trick pony over and over and over again. He does the same thing and people keep fucking falling for it. That's the other thing. Like, it's not like his trick is hard to find, but it keeps working. Why would he change if he keeps working? Yeah, he just wills it into existence. Well, and the other thing, too, is like these alliances that he builds, like the pictures were taken through some kind of collusion with uh, Sonny, the biker. Uh, oh, there's that the bride back there. I see her. Yeah, she's home for her uh, survivor party. Hey, lady. You shut that Hi. Door. Oh, God damn. She's still oh, fucking yeah. Yeah. Podcasting is for bitches. That's what I'm dealing with. I, nah, she says hi. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, get the, no, don't talk to him yeah, that way. <laughs> I'm not relaying that. Okay, okay. God damn it. Hi, bride. Mm. She's disloyal. <laughs> um... All right, so, so we're, we're uh, yeah. so Stilson, Stilson is so Trump. yeah. Let's, <laughs> like so let's get Trumpian. Stilson is Trump, Trumpian, and you're gonna get back to it because you're like, don't flirt with my wife. That's my girl. Don't you touch her. Hey, hey, that's my girl. Don't touch her. Uh, let's see. So I might be able to help us here because we're right near the end of this chapter. I'm so I I yeah fifty thousand dollars. He said you'll find it. He walked out, closing the door gently behind him, and then the banker hears his booming voice through the thick walls talking with the secretary. His secretary was a 60 year old flat chested biddy and Stilson probably had her giggling like a schoolgirl. He was a buffoon. It was as, it was that as much as his programs for coping with youthful crime that made him the mayor of Ridgeway, but the people didn't elect buffoons to Washington. Well, hardly ever. (laughs) Oh God! Or all the time. Yeah. Oh man. And then later he says, like maybe he wasn't a buffoon after all. His assessment of the political climate of seventy five, seventy six wasn't completely stupid. Building windmills instead of windbreaks, the sky's the limit. But that wasn't the problem. Fifty thousand dollars was the problem. So, yeah, we're really setting it up to. And it says like, and down on Main Street, Greg Stilson turned his face up into the strong autumn sunlight and congratulated himself on a job well done or well begun. Uh, that's where we end our assignment. And that's where we end. So I'm just telling you the next assignment is fantastic. I oh, uh, like pretty good too. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait until you see uh, where, where we get in this next assignment. So the, Next assignment. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I'm ready. So the next assignment is going to be chapters 15 through 20. Okay. Okay. And here are the three questions, the three guiding questions to go by. Um, So 
the explicit what is on the page uh, discuss the Castle Rock Strangler. Oh. How does this, if at all, prove a purpose to Johnny's abilities? Okay. Mm. So discuss the Castle Rock Killer, the Castle Rock Strangler. How does this, if at all, prove a purpose to Johnny's abilities? The implicit, what's what's the meaning we're going for? Johnny continues to suffer loss and shortcomings. Do you think this is because of his opposition to this external force? So do you think he is fighting this purpose that his mother spoke to that keeps coming? Do you think that all of this negative stuff happening to him is a result because of his opposition? Like maybe if he would just accept that he has a purpose... Oh. That maybe all this bad shit would stop happening to him. Yeah, this is some Does last temptation of Christ shit. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, the reaction. At the end of chapter 20, Johnny has a vision. Relate this to other parallels discussed with current events. And then what are your thoughts on that? Oh, shit. Okay. Do you want that? Oh. You want that again? No, no, I got it. I, I'll rewind right. if I need it, but I can I can kind of see it on your board too there over your shoulder, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and that picture's already been tweeted out, and I will do oh, those. Nice. I'll 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 type all those out too. I should do that. I like too. the pictures though. Thank you for that. That's that's fun. Yeah. Um, so uh this has been Log Walk Short Drink episode 24. This has been the edition of the Dead Zone Book Club. Let's yes. roll in our uh sponsors real quick here. We'll do the audible sponsor first. Go to audibletrial.com slash LWSD for your free goddamn audiobook. Get the dead zone. What are you? Why dead don't zone. You follow yeah. Along, yeah. You dumb fucks. Yeah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then we'll do the uh, book rag sponsorship. <laughs> hey, Palmer here. Dave and I are so excited to be doing this long walk, short drink book club reading of the dead zone by Stephen King. Materials for this project were provided by the site bookrags.com. With over 6,000 study guides available on their website, bookrags.com has everything you need to study and ace your lit classes. Enter the promo code PODCAST to get 15% off your subscription. Thanks so much to the great people over at bookrags.com for helping to make this book club possible. So keep listening and keep reading. Have a good one. Outstanding. Dave, thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks for dude therapy. I appreciate it. Oh, me too. Thanks for coining that uh, term. That is how I think of it. And this was uh, just what the doctor ordered. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You can either do a reading right now for us or you're done. Or you're done! (laughs) That's right, yeah.